This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And don't let the date fool you. It may be Christmas Eve, but we're in the studio providing you with live content to listen to on this uh, Monday evening. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. Uh, Mark is out and about down in Florida taking a much-needed vacation. I think he was going a little bit stir-crazy up here in beautiful New Hampshire. And I think we have him on the line, I guess, to start things out with. Is this Mark? Merry Xmas. Hey, what's happening? <laughs> Nothing. I, I don't, I'm not calling in for anything in particular. I just wanted to... Well, what a great way to start out the show. Not calling in for anything in particular. Oh, I'm sure that's keeping those listeners through that news break, through the next spot break. (laughs) It's your job to do program directing. What's going on, dude? Are you enjoying your vacation? It's fabulous. Nice here. It's uh, it's warm. But How warm is it? It's it's so warm. It's like uncomfortably warm. Aha! (laughs) It's happening. You're turning into a granite stater, Mark. But I'll be going out to the beach tomorrow to assuage my uh, my my discomfort. That's that is good. after I clean my mother's roof off. Oh, nice. Yeah. You can't come, you know, where family is and not do a bunch of work. Yeah, I got a roof that could use some work if you're uh if you're not too busy. Anyway, um so you had no reason to call just to say hi. Yeah, I well I I I do the show, you know. I thought I'd call in at the top of the hour see what we were going to talk about. Poor Mark, he's feeling lonely already. He <laughs> hasn't even been away from the show since Saturday night. You haven't missed one episode and you're on our phones already. That was what I, I so you know, I should just get get rid of you so we can actually clear the line so someone can actually call in about something important. This is the only uh, this is the only line they can call in for the amp- ampers? This is the amp line, and you're not even an amper, so I shouldn't have given it to you. What are you talking about? I'm not an amper. I'm a show host. Yeah, I know. That, that's lesser included of amper. Yeah, okay. I get my time. Well, good enough. Well, we're going to talk about Santa running a sweatshop, so uh, we're going to leave you there, all right? Excellent. All right, man. Bye. Have a good night. See you. 800-259-9231. Poor Mark. He was feeling he was feeling a little distraught recently. And I don't know if you encounter... I mean, you being a New Hampshire native, Nick, uh, I don't know if you encounter this much up here, but this, like... Um, what is it where people, they get stir-crazy? Uh, cabin fever is one word yeah. for it. Um, some people actually get actual depression, almost like clinical depression, because... Uh, it's. I think it's called seasonal affective disorder. Or that's something. what. Yeah, that's what he was suggesting um, it might be. There's. You don't get much sunlight, and when you are outside, <laughs> you're bundled up. So it's not. You, your body just doesn't get much sunlight. It's right. Dark. You know, from eight thirty to four or so at this time of year. So I mean, it or only light from eight thirty to four. So right. You know, you don't get a whole lot of daylight. <laughs> it's, it, Especially if you wake up late. I mean, if you get up at noon, your day's done in four hours. Right. I mean, it, it it can bother some people. Um, I'm used to it. I can't say I really... The thing that bothers me is not the cold, it is the dark. Um, just the fact that there's not as much daylight to do things in, and by 4 o'clock it's nighttime outside this time of year, but... Is it really 8 a.m.? I thought it just starts early, at like 5 or something like that. Oh, I thought it's light at 5, like 5 to 5 or something. They move it, they move it back, um, but then it creeps back up. I think it's like 7.30 right now is when sun rises. So this is one of those legitimate concerns. I mean, as far as we... I'm a member of the Free State Project. You are a New Hampshire native, but we're both liberty-oriented New Hampshire residents at this point. And, you know, as you well know, and people that have been listening to this show know, that the Free State Project is a movement of 20,000 liberty activists all moving to New Hampshire in order to get active and achieve more liberty in our lifetime. And... There are frequently some objections that come up, and one of the objections is, it's too cold. Well, I moved from Florida. It's not that cold. It gets cold, but 
it's not as bad as you might think it is. So that one's easy to, to blow out of the water because then I can just say, well, I'm from Florida. Where are you from? You know, so the cold thing, no big deal. But maybe this is a real legitimate objection. Like, I'm afraid I'm going to, you know, axe my, my wife to death if I get seasonal affective disorder. Well, you know, the thing is, if you, if you look on the world map, New Hampshire is at about the same latitude as Spain. Mm-hmm. We're really not very far up. Um, so... Most people in Europe deal with a lot worse every winter, and hmm, I really, point. I really don't think it's that bad. I mean, it's just, it's not that fun to, that it gets dark that early. But um, as long as you have things to do, as long as you make use of your day, is is a good way to put it. I mean, as long as you're not waking up at noon and, you know, <laughs> on your weekend you should probably get up early because it's going to be dark in the in the late afternoon. So you don't want to waste half the day. So if, if seeing daylight is important to you, because there's certainly plenty of night owls that really dig living up here because it's night all the time, uh, or a, frequent, a, a significant amount of the time. But if, if daylight's really important to you, then make a special effort, a concerted effort to get up early so you can enjoy that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, the flip side is that in the summertime, if you're big on sunlight, we'll get more sunlight in the summertime than Florida will. So I guess uh, that's true, yeah. It, it's so, You know, it all evens out. We get the same amount of sunlight. It's just we get a lot of it in the summer and less of it in the winter, and that's, you know. Yeah, he had mentioned works. that he wasn't bothered during the summertime, and now he's been feeling kind of funky. So Well, he's been through a, one December already, right? Yes. So... I don't know. It maybe doesn't just, bug me at all. Maybe it I just mean, got to him this year. I mean, it's it, the snow started early. I mean, a lot of times yeah, it's not even white it. for Christmas. It's been it's been winter all month. So that's true. You know? it, it doesn't get to me. I'm sure there's a lot of other people it doesn't affect. But nonetheless, I think a legitimate concern. Now, do people tend to? Um, I mean, I don't know how much you know about this, but I've heard that people go crazy and violent and that sort of thing. I mean, how um, often do you hear of instances? where this is really affecting someone to the point where they're going to do something uh, brash. Around here, I don't. Um, I, I do know that in some places, uh, you know, north <laughs> near the Arctic Circle, like Alaska, if you live in Alaska... Um, where you get, like, zero sunlight zero, several it's, months it's out of the year? It's literally nighttime, pretty much, for December. Um, I could see how that would get to you, and um, alcohol use rates shoot up, suicide rates, and people, oh, do, yeah. people do get uh, crazy. But, you know, New Hampshire's really not that bad. We're, we're pretty much halfway... Uh, we're actually closer to the equator than the North Pole, so <laughs> we're about halfway in between. And, you know, it's like I said, it's like Spain. And you would think a lot of people think of Spain as being subtropical or something like that. So, yeah. you know, it's it's really not it's not that bad. You, but I see how it could be an adjustment for someone coming from the south. Someone from coming where it's sunny all the time. But, sure. I mean, really, I, I don't know what time it gets dark in Florida this time of year. I don't think it really changes that much. I think it shifts an hour or so every Right. Every season. So, I mean... We swing from a sunset of like a little after eight to after four, so about a four-hour shift in sunset around here. So be prepared for that. But I'd, honestly, for most people, I don't think it's that much of a problem. You know, it really seems like uh, that if Alaska had been the chosen state for the Free State Project, we would be having a much tougher time convincing people to move there. I have mixed feelings about Alaska. I might have actually moved there if they'd picked it. But well, I would have moved I, there. But I know that most people wouldn't have. Right. Um. As far as a state, if we could take Alaska and move it down to somewhere warmer, um, I think it'd work perfectly. I mean, it's got a, it has a strong independence movement. That's true. Um, Ron Paul is leading in the polls there, from what I've heard. He's exp- he's polling wow. ahead of Huckabee. He's like actual polling, like the phone poll. Uh, yeah, well, they don't do. I don't know how much surveying they do, but in the one poll I've heard of from Alaska, he was he was leading among Republicans hmm. up there, which doesn't really surprise me. I mean, Alaska, 
it's a liberty-friendly state. It is, but there's also some negatives. I mean, I, I think a, a significant chunk of Alaska is owned by the federal government. Um, a lot of it is. That's part of the reason for the independence movement, though. Alaska, Alaskans tend to assert that it's Alaska's oil, not the federal government's oil. Interesting. But um, they do get paid a couple grand to live there. There's that welfare federal, thing, yeah, too. <laughs> for federal subsidy. I forget what it's called, but you get a check to live in Alaska. Yeah, it's like the Alaska oil pipeline subsidy or something. Right. Like so uh, we, every other state doesn't have that, and, you know, that... That makes things a little bit different. I think it would be hard for Alaskans to be pro-liberty when it means cutting everyone off of their 2000 a year or whatever yeah. it is. I'm glad that it's New Hampshire and that it's you know just the Northeast and that we've got all these other... Because a lot of people are really into cities, and so if you're in Alaska, where the hell are you going to go? Right. And, yeah. There's no New York City or Boston nearby or anything no. like that. And um, yeah, not much of a nightlife in Alaska. I don't imagine so. 1-800-259-9231. But since we're talking about cold places, uh, inevitably we're going to have to take a trip to the North Pole here tonight because, now look, I'm no religious guy. I'm not a Christian or anything like that. I don't even know what your uh, religious uh, I'm an atheist is. too. You're an atheist. Uh, I, okay. I, I celebrate Christmas because, you know, it's just a reason to visit family and friends. And There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I certainly would never suggest people uh, pull away from those activities. Uh, but it is Christmas Eve on Free Talk Live, and so inevitably we'll we'll dig up a, a couple of Christmas Eve-related stories here, at least one. Uh, this one to start things out from Manuel Laura at LouRockwell.com. Manuel asked the question, he's a listener of ours, by the way, is Santa running a sweatshop? We'll look into that coming up here in moments, and we'll take your calls as well. Live Christmas Eve edition, you can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231, and there's plenty of other stuff to talk about here. Probably get through some emails, take your calls about anything. You participate, make it your show as always. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, it is your show. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And uh, it is the live Christmas Eve edition. We're here in the studio, and I wonder how many other radio show hosts in the country came in to do a live show today. Not very many. Not very many. I did hear the local guy on this morning, though, although it was a fill-in for the local guy, so not quite the same thing, and... What do you do? You know, I just wonder, why are you playing music on a talk station? I don't understand. What is that either. about? I mean, I understand it's a special day, and maybe that's the excuse. You know, it's special, and it's unique, and so we can get away with playing music. But if I were someone who's looking for talk programming, scanning the dial, and I heard music, I'd keep going. So... These are just some of the things I don't think some of their hosts think about necessarily. Uh, but nonetheless, we are here for you. And uh, as always, we'll talk to you about anything. 800-259-9231. You can join us, by the way, at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, including archives. So if you've missed a moment of the show, go and grab them up for free online at freetalklive.com. And we need to tell you about the New Hampshire Liberty Forum. Uh, it's happening coming up very soon, January 3rd through the 6th. That's not this weekend. I think it's the weekend after that. Yes, the weekend after this weekend in Nashua, New Hampshire, it's going to be a who's who from the libertarian movement. There are going to be so many libertarian, liberty-oriented luminaries speaking there from all kinds of different um, viewpoints, not necessarily viewpoints, but um, issues. There are going to be people there against prohibition. There are going to be anti-tax advocates there. 
there are going to be all kinds of uh, interesting folks, including Jim Babka from DownsizedDC.org, who we're going to have on tomorrow night's show, the live Christmas Day edition of the program. Jim will be joining us, and so you can meet him in person. Barry Cooper from Never Get Busted. Uh, Law Enforcement Against Prohibition is going to be there. I don't have the list in front of me. There are just so many different speakers. Nick, you're going to be attending. Who are some of the ones you're most interested in seeing? Um, well, Jim Babka's a, a big one. I saw him speak last year, and I was very impressed. Um, he had a very strong vision for what he wanted to do with Downsize DC. Um, Law Enforcement Against Prohibition is always good, and they have not just Barry Cooper, but they have, um, I forget the name. There's another guy coming who's a director. Um, they're always good. Um, there's just so many that it's, it's hard to name them off. I mean, a lot of local people um, talking about New Hampshire-based activism. I, I always find that interesting because mm, that's true. W- while some of the stuff, uh, you know, like the Atlas Institute and all this stuff, that's great. Um, when it has a really national focus, while I find it interesting to listen to, I'm more interested in what we can do here in New Hampshire. What people have put together. I know they. Um, I, my other uh, my other broadcast job is doing Free Minds TV mm-hmm. here in Key, New Hampshire. Um, but I know they just started um, Capital Access News in Concord. That's right. Which, um, you know, so that's similar. I want to hear how that's working out for them. Because and really, you're right. That is the, uh, the, the, I think, the focus of the Liberty Forum is to bring hundreds of activists together, liberty activists, all into the same place, especially from some from outside of New Hampshire, to give them a taste of what's going on here as part of the Free State Project. It is a Free State Project-oriented event, and that is absolutely some of the more interesting things. Because if you're on the outside, if you're, you're curious about what things are like here in New Hampshire, what the activism scene is like, this is going to be the best way for you to get a real taste of uh, some of that action. So what you want to do if you want to learn more, get registered, it's still not too late to get a discount, go to freestateproject.org slash libertyforum and then use the code 2008FTL if you want to save 10%. That's freestateproject.org slash libertyforum 2008FTL to save some cash. 800-259-9231. Manuel Laura at lourockwell.com asks if Santa is running a sweatshop. See, recently, world-renowned Christmas critic and occasional disruptor The Grinch has accused Santa Claus of exploiting thousands of elves and mistreating animals at Mr. Claus's secretive North Pole compound. Earlier this month, The Grinch, who normally commutes between his homes in Los Angeles and Miami, or excuse me, Milan, uh, embarked on a multi-city campaign accusing Santa Claus of running a sweatshop. The charges have come as a shock to millions of children and parents around the globe. Retails, uh, retailer groups have been particularly hit hard. A representative for Macy's, who wanted to remain anonymous, expressed horror and disbelief, saying, In a shaky economy, this is the last thing we need. The Grinch has made the following accusations. First, St. Nick has for centuries been exploiting innumerable elves, keeping them in inhuman conditions with little or no pay. The elves are worked to death, and complaints will get them expelled into the bitter cold. 2. Conditions in the North Pole are brutal, and the reindeer are not being kept in adequate conditions. 3. This is the final one. One reindeer in particular has not received proper medical attention, and its nose has developed a severe disorder causing it to bleed. Milk and Cookies Corporation, Mr. Claus's company, has issued the following statement, which is reprinted here in its entirety. This is from the North Pole. Uh, the Milk and Cookies Company has learned about the accusations made by the execrable Grinch. Let a candid world know the truth. First of all, our factory conditions follow the highest industry standards, and our safety record is exemplary. Over hundreds of years, we've continually improved work standards. We are a leader in high-quality, high-volume manufacturing. Exploiting our workers would destroy our good name and reputation. 
Further, it would lead to a dramatic reduction in the quality and output of our employees. To charge that the reindeer are exposed to terrible conditions, we say utter nonsense. Let me, let me go back a little, though, uh, to the issue of the sweatshop accusations. Now, obviously, this is a little bit tongue-in-cheek, a little fun for, uh, for Christmas holiday, but, but it is really a serious issue. I mean, a lot of people are legitimately concerned about the working conditions of poor people around the world in these so-called sweatshops. And what they don't understand is that, you know, these people that are working in so-called sweatshops, they aren't being forced to work there. No one has, uh, they aren't slaves. Now, there are some instances, obviously, where people in prison facilities are being coerced into making things, but they're already in prison, so... Right, and Asia particularly does have some forced labor, but it's not, it's not common. It's not the bulk of what Correct. people term sweatshop labor. Right, your, your Nike shoes or, you know, Tommy Hilfiger shirt or whatever it is you're wearing uh, has not been made by slave labor. So these people are getting paid. They're getting paid better than other jobs. Otherwise, they would not have chosen to work there. Uh, so again, a lot. There's just a lot of misinformation, and I think more than misinformation, I just think it's just emotional um, misunderstanding about these sweatshops. I think that people in America, without any real perspective on what the world is like, I think people in America think everything should around the world should be like it is here, and it should be. But unfortunately, some of these countries are literally decades behind us as far as uh, as far as catching up to where we're at in America. And you can't just snap your fingers and start paying seven dollars an hour to these people in uh, in these other countries. That would be a fortune if they made that kind of money. <laughs> it would be. A lot of people don't understand that dollars have different buying power in different countries. So making a few dollars a day isn't necessarily bad where you are. Um, they also forget that, like you were saying, we're decades ahead of those countries. We had a period here in America where it was common for people to work 12 hours a day, 16 hours a day. That was common. That's one of the ways we moved up and created such a vibrant economy was by working that much. I mean, to build an, a, a capitalist economy, it takes capital and you have to make it. It, right. takes, it takes human effort. And a lot of it. And if you're going to pay $7 an hour to somebody in a sweatshop in another country, then you might as well not open the sweatshop in the first place and open it here in America and pay those people that amount here. The reason why those companies went over to the other countries in the first place was because the regulations were too oppressive here in America, and they wanted to reduce their costs in order to be more competitive in the American marketplace so they could sell their products to Americans at a lower price. I want to pay a lower price for my products. I don't want to pay more. And therefore, as a consumer, it's good for me to have these products, many of them made in other countries, because I get the products I want at the price I want to pay, and those people in those other countries that were used to have to work on a farm in some awful conditions have now moved up and are now working in a factory. That's a good thing. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Scientists have discovered a human hormone that increases people's trust in each other, oxytocin. And for the first time, with Liquid Trust, you can harness this power. Buy Liquid Trust now at 800-507-3718 or liquidtrustspray.com. Use code FTL to get free shipping. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free, 800 800- 259-9231. That would be the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give away, including the Shrine of Female listeners, dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show, just head over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what that's all about. Shrine.freetalklive.com. By the way, it is the live 
Christmas Eve edition of the show. We're here in the studio doing a live program for you, so don't hesitate to get involved if you've got something to talk about. Sound money is under attack. The Liberty Dollar offices were raided by the FBI and Secret Service on November 14th, and all of its precious metals, computers, and records were seized. Your help is urgently needed. Go to libertydollar.org and sign up for their updates. Register for the class action lawsuit which actually is no longer a class action lawsuit, but it's a lawsuit still. Don't let the government steal your money and destroy the Liberty Dollar. We are talking about a, a kind of a funny little tongue-in-cheek story written by actually one of our listeners, Manuel Laura, over at LouRockwell.com. And essentially the story is that the Grinch has made some accusations against old Santa Claus and uh, Mrs. Claus, uh, suggesting that he's been exploiting elves, keeping them in inhuman conditions with little or no pay. Uh, the elves are worked to death and complaints will get them expelled into the bitter cold. Uh, Mr. Claus, of course, responded by pointing out that they've been working uh, for over hundreds of years with a safety record that's exemplary. Exploiting their workers would destroy their good name and reputation, and further, it would lead to a dramatic reduction in the quality and output of our employees. And that goes back to something that actually I think we were talking about last week, that once these sweatshop accusers say, Ah, Nick, we know you're running a sweatshop over there in China. All you have to do is go and show your conditions. You know, show publicly on video or whatever how it is that your workers are better in better conditions than they would be anywhere else. And then all of a sudden you're vindicated. Of course, the people that are making the accusations probably they have confirmation bias and they won't want to see what it is you're showing. But you're not really as interested in convincing them as you are the mass public that's actually interested and curious about your operations. And the fact is these uh, these people that are working in factories around the world, they have chosen that path because it is moving them up. It's moving them into a, a higher economic strata where they're making more money than they were making on the farm. And they can uh, many of them go and they work for several months and then we'll, they will go back to the farm. They'll, they'll take that money back and it'll make their lives a whole lot more comfortable uh, than, than they were before they, they worked at those jobs. So it's just, it's just a net benefit to everyone in the entire world, the, the entire world economy, to have these uh, so-called sweatshops out there. Right. I mean, many places in China, you can make a, a number of times what you would make working in agriculture. So a lot of people will work for five or six years, and then they'll be set for most of the rest of their adult lives. They've made their, the money they would have made. They, really? I mean, they still go back. Uh, they're not rich by our standards at all, sure. but they have more money than anyone else back in the village. And, you know, that's it is a step up. It's a, it's a way to advance. It's enough to be more comfortable for them. Now, the next charge was the reindeer. And he, uh, again, Mr. Claus responds, To the charge that the reindeer are exposed to terrible conditions, we say utter nonsense. The reindeer are Arctic creatures that are able to withstand the coldest of temperatures. Indeed, they thrive when they're outside. Nonetheless, we still provide them with spacious, heated stables and plenty of food. There's a veterinary on our premises around the clock. The Grinch is being disingenuous when implying that one of the reindeer, Rudolph, has a medical condition. Nothing could be further from the truth. Though rare, his condition, his condition is genetic. Rudolph is perfectly healthy. And no, he's not bleeding. His nose is just bright red. It's the opinion of Mr. Claus and the board of directors of Milk and Cookies that the Grinch is once again debunked as an anti-Christmas farce. Incapable of understanding one iota about exchange, the market economy, and charity, he's resorted to lies and smears. Our solid traditions of high-quality craftsmanship built over centuries of innovation demonstrate the commitment to the spirit of Christmas and to our billions of satisfied customers. No amount of disparaging comments, especially from the Grinch, can take that away. 
Mr. Claus himself could not be reached for comment, as the workload over the last few days has kept him superbly busy, but he did, however, have a message. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. One of our journalists is reporting that Frosty had become so agitated and worked up about the Grinch's declarations that he had begun to melt. He's been given a mild, a mild sedative and moved outside. He's expected to fully recover. That's uh, LouRockwell.com. Just kind of a little fun Christmassy story. And uh, again, as always, the phone lines are open for you. We go to them. Talk to Barbie in Maryland. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Nick. Hello, Barbie. Hi. How are you this evening? Super. What's on your mind? I just wanted to talk a little bit about what's going on with support for Ron Paul and the GOBT community. The gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgendered? Correct. Okay. And I find it woefully lacking. Really? And I think what it comes down to, it's a knee-jerk reaction that if he is not coming out and saying, I am for gay marriage, I am for all this anti-discrimination... They're not going to support him. Are you sure it's not a uh, just a knee-jerk reaction because he has an R behind his name? He's a Republican? That's a big part of it as well. I, I find that unfortunate because the, from the, the, the gay people that I've known in my life have been pretty open-minded folk. And I would be shocked that were they given the correct information about Ron Paul and, and his, his, his actual positions on these issues, I would be shocked if they wouldn't come around. Because the fact is, Ron Paul supports getting the government out of marriage entirely. He doesn't think government should be involved in heterosexual marriage, let alone homosexual marriage. Exactly. The difficulty is trying to communicate with people over the Internet that you... You know, really can't sit down with and spend an hour and go over all of his positions. Mm. What I found is when I can sit down with someone and speak to them, within an hour they're a Ron Paul supporter. Interesting. And the way I look at it is basically at this point we've lost the Fourth and Fifth Amendments. Among others. Um, we pretty much lost the First Amendment. Yeah. Second one's pretty uh, in bad shape, too. Ninth yeah, and Tenth not really doing so well either. Believe me, I support the Second Amendment and I'm a gun owner. Very good. And what it comes down to is if we don't restore the Constitution, what good is all this legislation going to do anyway? Well, legislation doesn't ever really do any good, but... <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> I would tend to agree. Yeah. Um, so Now, so you've had success when you've had the opportunity to really sit down and talk to some of these people, but if you don't, then it just doesn't work out. What are some of the objections? I mean, very specifically, what are they saying? What I find is a lot of GLBT people are in favor of gun control, and they want a candidate to come out and say, I will support an amendment for gay marriage. Mm. I, I think a lot of that relates to the fact that Democrats have traditionally taken a more progressive stance on gay marriage or gay rights. And that's one of the reasons that a lot of people in the community have aligned themselves with the Democrats generally in their positions. I don't right. know that um, gay, bisexual, lesbian, transgender, that they're any more prone to be anti-gun. It's just they're used to being in the Democratic camp you know, because they feel that that's their team. Yeah, what do you think the reason is with the uh, the anti-gun mentality? Is is Nick on to something there, or is it something else? I have no idea what's behind that. I mean, I guess I could understand that I'm sure a number of uh, people that are that are out of the closet, at least, have encountered some resistance from some of the more ignorant members of their community, and they might be concerned that... Uh, you know, the, these ignorant, ignoramus rednecks or whatever are going to somehow get violent and they could possibly threaten them with a gun in sometime in the future. You know, this sort of fear that they might have. Uh, but that 
seems a little irrational in that they wouldn't be able to protect themselves. And they, they've bought into the, the whole mentality that in order to keep yourself safe, you need to pick up the phone and call 911. I mean, does anyone really believe that the government's going to keep them safe? What I've discovered with rednecks is pointing a 12-gauge at them usually calms them right down, and they have nothing nasty to say once you do that. I would uh, completely agree with you on that. And uh, not that I've ever had the opportunity to point a 12-gauge at a redneck, but I can certainly imagine that would be the case. Uh, I all lived I can up do in is... the mountains of Pennsylvania for years. I've had that opportunity a few times. Never had to use it, and hope I never do, but uh, That's good. it works. Well, I mean, maybe... This got to be. This has to be frustrating for you because these are people that obviously you have a lot in common with, and that you would think that you'd be able to, to easily persuade. I don't really have any suggestions beyond try your best to to get them to listen. Try to use persuasive techniques. Maybe go to theadvocates.org. Uh, the Advocates for Self Government is an excellent group that's dedicated to helping liberty-minded people spread the message of liberty and effectively communicate it. So that way you don't get into arguments as much as you get into persuasive discussions with them because argumentation never gets anybody anywhere. Um, I would recommend that. That's a good, good approach. Go to theadvocates.org, do a little bit of reading, see if maybe you can uh, find a little bit of verbal jujitsu that you can use to, uh, to help these people open their minds to liberty. Thanks for the call and good luck. 800-259-9231. This is your show. Whether you're having trouble uh, communicating or whatever's on your mind tonight, anything goes. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll free. 800-259-9231. Cycle CAI toll free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features for free. So enjoy those on us. If you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then we invite you to go shopping with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Now, when you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. So it doesn't matter if you're buying something from uh, their brand, brand new in their 41 categories of products or uh, one of their used items offered by many of their thousands and thousands of used sellers. Uh, we will get a cut either way as long as you enter through amazon.freetalklive.com. Let's go to the phone calls. Talk to John in New Hampshire. John, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Nick. John, New Hampshire, going once. Do we have John in New Hampshire going twice? Let's try Ziggy in the United Kingdom. Maybe we'll try John back in a bit. Ziggy in the UK, across the pond. Hello. I think our board op might have fallen asleep. Ziggy, John, anybody? We'll try again later. 800-259-9231. The BBC reporting that uh, cannabis compound halts cancer. A compound found in cannabis, which is marijuana, for those of you that don't know, might stop breast cancer from spreading throughout the body. The California Pacific Medical Center Research Institute team are hopeful that canna- cannabin- can- ooh, cannabinoidal or CBD, actually that's not, it's not cannabinoidal, it's cannabidiol, cannabidiol or CBD could be a non-toxic alternative to chemotherapy. Unlike cannabis, CBD does not have any psychoactive properties, so it use, its use would not violate laws, uh, according to the Molecular Cancer Therapeutics reports. The authors stressed that they were that they were not suggesting patients smoke marijuana. They added that it would be highly unlikely that effective concentrations of CBD could be reached by smoking cannabis. Uh, CBD works by blocking the activity of a gene called ID1, which is believed to be responsible for the aggressive spread of cancer cells away from the original tumor site, a process called metastasis. 
Past work has shown CBD can block aggressive human brain cancers. The latest work found CBD appeared to have a similar effect on breast cancer cells in the lab. Pretty cool. Lead researcher Dr. Sean McAllister said right now we have a limited range of options in treating aggressive forms of cancer. Those treatments such as chemotherapy can be effective, but they can also be extremely toxic and difficult for patients. I swear, every time you know there's a cancer story that comes up on this show, it's usually about how someone absolutely hates the process. They're you know more willing to just live with the cancer than they are to actually have the chemotherapy. I can't even imagine how awful that must be. Chemo is a terrible process. I mean, it's it's killing the cancer, but it very nearly in kills some you. cases kills you. Yeah. So. so coming up with something alternative is a good idea. And obviously there are some other alternatives out there in more the, the naturopathic sort of market, but nobody really knows what they are, and the FDA won't allow them to make claims anyway. So Well, and notice that this research is going on in the United Kingdom because it's... Actually, uh, it's oh, BBC, it? but it's oh. California. Oh, California Pacific Medical uh, Center Research. And I guess they can get away with it a little bit better out there because it's semi-legal in California. For medical reasons, I imagine. The compound op- uh, offers the hope of a non-toxic therapy that could achieve the same results as chemotherapy in that destroying the cancer or blocking it from growing uh, without any of the painful side effects. They say that, and I guess it is being researched in the U.K. as well, uh, the research is at a very early stage, said one of the U.K. scientists. The findings will need to be followed up with clinical tri- trials in humans to see if the CBD is safe and whether the beneficial effects can be replicated. Several cancer drugs based on plant chemicals are already used widely, such as vincristine, which is derived from a type of flower called the Madagascar periwinkle, and is used to treat breast and lung cancer. It'll be interesting to see whether CBD will join them. And what's most interesting about this show, besides, or not this show, but uh, this story, besides its possibility for people that have cancer or might have cancer into the future, is to point out that when you allow someone to do even a little bit of research on marijuana or other drugs... I mean, we don't know what psilocybin or MDMA or many of the other narcotics that are uh, Schedule One and completely illegal in this country. We don't know what all the benefits are of those things because the DEA refuses to allow anyone the permission to actually go and do scientific studies on these things. The medical community, and uh, specifically with MDMA, which is also on the street level known as ecstasy, uh, the the medical community and the uh, I think it's more the, the the psychologists out there. They've been sort of doing black market research, basically, on some of these chemicals. Well, MDMA was legal for a long time, and it it actually wasn't outlawed by an act of Congress. It was the first drug to be outlawed by a DEA, like... Is that right? Administrative ruling. Uh, It was something like an administrative judge scheduled it. They just scheduled it. And they felt they had the authority to do that. And they feel like uh, that MDMA may actually help people with severe psychological disorders... Uh, sort of address those problems, address, you know, if they were, like, molested as a kid or, or something terribly traumatic happened to them in the past and they've built up a wall in their mind and locked it out, uh, they've found that this drug, when administered in the correct environment, obviously not at a rave with pounding music, but in a you know a doctor's office, can allow someone to really sort of reach inside themselves and do some, some introspection and, and really uh, help get, get those problems out into the open to where they can, they can actually be solved. Who, wouldn't, who, when they hear this, would not say, yeah, let's do more of this it, research? It was a very effective drug uh, in psychology, and unfortunately it's not being used very much anymore because it, it was outlawed. But it, right. w- it, was, it was originally used by 
uh, by psychologists, and that's correct. That it had a legitimate youth and use, and it was called empathy, actually. Really, in in that community, yes. Interesting. Well, now the psychologists that want to that want to do trials on the drug, they're risking arrest. You know, they're risk, and some of them are doing it, but they're, and they're very brave for doing so. But they're risking their careers and they're risking arrest just to do research into this drug. I mean, if that doesn't tell you how how much potential this drug has, that these people are willing to put their lives on the line to to do this underground research, I really don't know what else to say. And the sad thing about this too is, and the other side we're not we haven't discussed yet is that the FDA, um, even if some of these compounds are found to have beneficial effects. It's going to take 15 or 20 years to do all the clinical trials and have them hit the market. Yeah, and these true. are people with cancer. It's a terminal disease. You know what really needs to happen is that Ron Paul needs to get elected. And I don't know if he can do this in one fell swoop as the executive uh, branch, but they just both need to be wiped out at the same it's time. The DEA and the FDA, they just need to be wiped out. I, th- I think he might actually have the power to do that. It's an administration. I'm not sure exactly how it works, but I know there are some agencies he can just shut down on a whim. I, I would like to see that list. <laughs> just to, just out of curiosity, what can the president just say, all right, you're done, and shut down the entire bureaucracy with? 1-800-259-9231, but it's clear that as more drug freedom happens, more research will happen, and we'll actually know what the truth is about these drugs. Because if, if all you're hearing is what the government tells you, then you think that these drugs are just evil, and they're going to ruin children's lives, and they're just horrible, and there's nothing good about them. But nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, I don't know about meth, but but some of these drugs are really, really useful. Well, meth actually was used. I, I don't think it was exactly methamphetamine, but forms Speed. of uh, forms of amphetamine were used. Uh, I think benzedrine. It was they were called bennies, poppers, and they that they, they actually they had some negative effects, and you could easily get addicted. Sure. Um, but it was one of the most widely prescribed drugs in America because it it was much like having many cups of strong coffee. It helped people stay awake. Truckers used it. Um, all completely legally, which I think is better than, than what we have now. Yep. Um, writers used it. I mean, it allowed people to get a lot of work done. I wouldn't say it's the healthiest thing for you. But, no, I don't think so either. But, but, uh, but people should be free to make those decisions. They're making them anyway, regardless of what the law is, and they're risking jail time and, and the ruination of their lives as a result, and that just needs to end. 1-800-259-9231. We're going back to the phones, and we're going to try Ziggy again in the U.K. Ziggy, you're on Free Talk hi. Live. Hi, guys. Hey. What's on your mind? Yeah, by the way, um, that, uh, the last phone call we had from Barbie, I actually know Barbie. Barbie, who called in uh, from the gay, lesbian, transgendered, uh, bisexual yeah. community. It's, it's a shame she didn't ring in when Mark was here, because she's a female. I, I, we probably guessed that. I didn't really, we didn't delve into that, because that wasn't her reason for calling, <laughs> <You> but yes. <laughs> you should check out, uh, she, forgot to, she forgot to mention, I told her to mention her video on YouTube in support of Ron Paul. If you type in Barbie Satin... Rob Paul on YouTube, you will find a video. Barbie Satin? Uh, like Satin. S-A-T-I-N? Satin? Yeah, that's right. Is it all one word or is it two words? Barbie? Two, it's, two, it's, it's two words. So is that her endorsing Ron Paul? Yeah. All right. She did a video which I nagged her to do for three months. So uh, um, so now wait a minute. Are you in the um, gay, lesbian, transgendered community as well, Ziggy? I met her through a friend who, who was a transsexual. Interesting. Now, you're the same guy that likes to wear um, dresses, right? Yeah, but I'm not a (laughs) cross-dresser. Now, Um, what's that called? You said it was like, uh, what is it? Something freedom? Uh, Clothing freedom? Men's Men's fashion freedom. Men's fashion freedom. So it's not considered cross-dressing. It's just considered sort of expanding the horizons of men's fashion. Yeah, that's that's right. I wanted to talk about mandatory public holidays. 
Holidays. Very good. I would like to talk to you about that. I know you're calling internationally. Hopefully you'll be patient. We'll bring you back after the yes, news. Cool. Hang on, Ziggy. 800-259-9231. Uh, John in New Hampshire might be there as well. We'll get to your calls. Whatever's on your mind goes. It's the live Christmas Eve edition of Free Talk Live. And you can bring up anything. The SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Hour 2 is coming up. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is the live Christmas Eve edition of the show. You, as always, can bring up anything. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And we start things out this hour by going right back into your phone calls. We have Ziggy on the line uh, still uh, from the United Kingdom. Now, Ziggy, you wanted to talk holidays or something. What's on your mind? Yeah, basically, um, in this country, it is illegal for any large supermarket or any large shop to open on Christmas Day and Easter Sunday. It's also, um, shops can only trade for six hours on a Sunday. Um, and this is nonsense. I, I think the last thing the state should be doing is telling businesses when they, and when and when not to open up. Well, you know what this is? It's just an extension, and this, it's, it doesn't only go on in the U.K. I know that there are some areas in America where things like this happen. Also, I know it's, it's fairly um, common in Canada as well. And really, it's just an extension of the uh, the state's involvement in the marketplace at all. You know, yeah, like with, for instance, with alcohol regulations, the state says, well, you can't sell alcohol after 11 o'clock at night, or you can't sell it after, you know, before noon on Sundays or whatever. So they just say, well, okay, well, we've gotten away with regulating alcohol. Now let's just regulate what these people's hours can be and where when they can open and when they can't. I mean, it's really just the next logical ba- step, if you will. Basically, religion's been used as a front for. Uh, the interests of unions. Um, someone said that basically this was a, a union thing. Really? Uh, you know, I mean, the Labour government, of course, is backed by the unions. Um, what would that now? How would the union benefit? Well, basically, they don't want their workers to uh, work um, longer hours, do they? You know, um, on a Sunday. I don't know how many grocery to... stores. I mean, you're talking about big stores. How many of those guys are unionized over there? I don't, I actually, I don't, I, I honestly don't know. I can't imagine. Um, I can tell you here in America, when you go to the grocery store, it's mostly kids that are working. Yeah. I can tell you they aren't unionized. Well, basically, I, I mean, the, the thing is people say, oh, if you, if you deregulated it, you know, people wouldn't have any leave or, or, or whatever. No, the, you, know, the, 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 you know, I can't see an employer um, saying to people they have to work all the time because basically, you know, uh, uh, if you don't give anyone any rest time, they're not going to be a good worker. Absolutely. Let the marketplace decide on this one, because if yeah. uh, the employers have to compete with other employers for employees, and if they aren't giving their employees reasonable work schedules, then those employees are going to go work for the competition, and eventually the bad employers will lose all the good workers, and if you don't have good workers, then your customers aren't going to be happy, and they'll lose business, and eventually they'll go out of business, and the marketplace will handle these things. Now, that's not to say that I believe that most employers will you know, shut down down voluntarily on Christmas, I think many of them will, but you know, with grocery stores, I mean, you're saying that grocery stores will be prevented from being open tomorrow, right? Yeah, that's right, and I mean, personally, I feel like I, I, um, 
someone else's morals are being shoved onto me. I mean, I'm an atheist. As far as I'm concerned, today is um, December the 25th. Right. Why, why can't they employ all the Jewish people and atheists and Buddhists on uh, Christmas? I mean, not and everyone is a Christian. Well. I mean, In fact, I know that uh, the statistics from the UK, where you're calling from... I think most people there are not Christians. I believe I, no, I've no, seen no. numbers like in the 40th percentile that are atheists it's, it's, there. It's, it's, an, it's an irony that, you know, you have separation of church and state, and yet this, we still have, you know, church as part of the establishment. Um, you know, church and state here are intertwined. But we have, tend to have a more religious population. It is, it is yeah, that is strange. Uh, well, I guess way, that sort of uh, makes sense, right? Because people tend to rebel against things in, in many ways. I so. think that would probably be part. Mixing state and church kind of probably drove a lot of people from away the from the church. Exactly. Also, um, I heard you talking about ecstasy. Yes, sir. And about the treat, uh, for, uh, you know, used in treatment for psychiatric patients. Yeah. It has been done in Switzerland for many years. Really? Is it legal um, there? Sorry. Is it legal in Switzerland? Yes. Wow. It was to be prescribed by a psychiatrist. Oh, okay. So I can't just go to the coffee shop in Switzerland and... Uh... No, I think Switzerland... Uh, there's talk about them legalizing marijuana. I mean, the Swiss have got their head screwed on about many issues. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, Ron Paul's an admirer of the way of Swiss government. It's, in some ways, sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, hey, Ziggy, uh, great call tonight, man. Thank Thanks you. for the call, as always. 800-259-9231. Just to go back to this idea that, you know, government needs to decide when a store can be open. It's absolutely asinine, and it's it's certainly anti-commercial. I think that's that's really what it is more so than anything else. Right. I mean, if you have a boss that makes you work on Christmas, they're probably going to have a hard time keeping employees because people don't want to work be forced to work on a holiday like that. But then but, you've got people like me who we'll I work. love working on holiday. I used to work in retail, and there was one year when Kmart, what was where I worked, uh, where Kmart opened on Thanksgiving Day. They were the only retailer in town open on Thanksgiving Day. And I have never in my life, in the three and a half years I spent in retail, never were we busier than we were on that Thanksgiving Day. I don't even think we were busier the day after, the Black Friday. I think we were busiest on Thanksgiving Day. And the same thing applies to Christmas Day, or he was saying that it's Easter and Christmas in the UK that these big stores can't be open on. What if you've been really, really busy, and, you know, because a lot of people are really hardworking folk, you know, they work six days a week or whatever, and they're working eight, ten hours a day. What if you've been so damn busy, you haven't had a chance to go and get a turkey or whatever it is that you were going to make for uh, your Christmas Day lunch or, or dinner or whatever, and you go out early in the morning thinking that, oh, well, you know, I'll catch the short sale that they have at the grocery store. Wait a minute, they're closed. So now you're SOL. You've got no food in the house. You can't get anything uh, from the grocery store because the government has forced them to close. It's absolutely asinine. Most grocery stores close early on Christmas Day, but they do have limited hours, so those last-minute buyers who've been procrastinating or whatever can go out and get their food. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And some people don't mind working on Christmas or Sunday, the same thing. Sure. I mean, if you're a Jew, you, you, know, you take Fridays and Saturdays off if, if you're a Christian, it's Sunday. So right. you have different parts of the workforce who would rather work different days. And if you have an unregula- a relatively unregulated labor market where employers can schedule someone any day, they usually work it out so people who want to work on a certain day do. And right. if people need it off someone else fills in that's generally how it works and and then there's also the incentive portion i recall that there were there was there's such thing as holiday pay i know that some companies offer this uh, where you get paid time and a half if you come and work well, on christmas that does go back to the unions to some extent there some companies offer it voluntarily but i believe many workplaces are required to give time and a half on official holidays 
maybe the federal case. holidays. I'm not sure about that because I don't think I ever got. Is it some workplaces? Because I'm pretty sure I never got time and a half when I worked at the radio station, and I was frequently frequently working holidays it, there. I don't know. It really might be by the state by state. I know that some places you get time and a half, you get overtime pay. I don't know how voluntary that is. I think the unions played a big but part. But that's in one it. of the things that could come out anyway. I mean, that's oh yeah, that would be one of those examples where you've got government people or union people sort of running out in front of a parade saying, "Well, this is something we need," but the marketplace would have provided. I anyway. think it would have. I mean, I think if you need more people to work on Christmas, you know, you're not going to force them to work on Christmas. You're, but if right. you offer them time and a half or, or double overtime, you'll get them in there. You better believe it. Most retail workers would jump at that opportunity. Oh, absolutely. So I just think it's absolutely outrageous, and it goes on all over the place. I mean, what would happen if you took that out further? Because, again, once a government gets its foot in a door of some sort of regulation, it usually expands that. So if we're going to give you know, Christmas Day and Easter Day off to every, every single worker because of you know, Jesus or whatever the deal is, then why don't we start giving off you know, some Jewish holidays as well while we're at it? Let's throw Halloween in there for all the, you know, the Satanists or whatever. And let's just let's be fair with this and give a whole bunch of mandatory days off for everything. I mean, before you know it, you've got six days out of the week where you can shop and one day everything's closed. And I think there are actually countries where that actually happens. I think I recall, I don't remember if it was Switzerland or one of those uh, European countries where – you have to be closed. If you're above a certain size, as far as a store is concerned, you have to be closed on Sundays. Well, Massachusetts was the same way up until a few years ago. Really? Many stores had Maybe it was Massachusetts. It, it was a, it was they a, all blend together. Oh, no, it was me. a blue light. I think you couldn't sell booze on Sunday, and you couldn't couldn't open certain stores on Sundays. It's just and acidine. they've recently relaxed that and pretty much done away with it. But it, it was a holdover from their Puritan past when you had to close on Sunday because... You know, one thing Massachusetts has over New Hampshire and doesn't have a lot over New Hampshire is that you can actually be an independently owned liquor store in Massachusetts. Uh, you can, but it's it's not a very good system. It's a, I, I believe there's a big bidding process that goes on, and it's oh, just really? a way for the state. It's very expensive. The so state, it's basically a cash cow for the state, and if you're connected, it's you always get the a license. cash cow for the state, yeah. sure. John in New Hampshire, take your calls about whatever's on your mind. Ladies first, if you make the call, 800-259-9231. And on the way, since it is the Christmas Eve edition of Free Talk Live, uh, we'll tell you about a gang of rampaging drunken Santas, where they went and what they did. That's all on the way, and your calls as well. This is Free Talk Live. Talk Live. It is the live Christmas Eve edition of the show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That would be the Sickle CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. Yeah, Nick. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features for free. Enjoy those including the bulletin board system. We've got over 300,000 posts for you to surf around through. Serious issues and fun stuff. You'll find it all for free at bbs.freetalklive.com. Your mattress was likely manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals. Does that bother you? It bothers some scientists, especially in the case of young children. Savvy Rest mattresses are made of 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. Try their crib mattresses, too. That's SavvyRest.com. For the sleep you've been dreaming of, SavvyRest.com. We go to John in New Hampshire. John, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Nick. John in New Hampshire, going once. John. Hello again. Hey, John, you're there this time, and you were probably there you before. Got me? Hey, yeah, we got you. What's on your yeah, mind? Yeah, I've been here all the time. Uh, we figured as much. Our board ops just, maybe he's had a too much eggnog tonight or something. I was wondering about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, good for him. <laughs> What's on your mind tonight? Hey, I missed the beginning of the show, but 
I'm not sure. So, so I could be wrong here. I think I heard Nick saying that the sun rose at 8.30 here in New Hampshire. No, I messed that up. It's like 7.30. I think it's 5. What is it? It's what is like it, seven, the, the latest, the latest is on the 22nd, which, you know, from right. then on, December 22nd, or I, I think it can fall on the 21st or the 22nd, depending on whatever, I don't know. But that time of year, it begins to get longer days. On that day, it was about 7.15, so it starts to get light, oh, maybe 6.30, Right, like right. Sunrise and the sun sets at four fifteen. But the reason, right. the reason I wanted to call, I was like, "Whoa, you guys are making it sound like we're living on the damn North Pole up here." This is what people are afraid of. <laughs> uh, the worst it gets is about nine hours between sunrise and sunset. So you have light on either side of that a little bit, and then from there, as it gets a little bit colder. It begins to get wonderfully pretty up here because you can start to depend on the snow sticking around, and it just looks gorgeous. So, so you're saying that December 21st is the shortest day of the year, and yeah. how many hours of sunlight do you get? About nine, and it falls on the 21st or the 22nd, something like that. I, it, it could be either day, I think. I, you know, I'm not an expert on right. that stuff. Yeah, I think it changes but with the calendar. It, but it's around there. And yesterday, it was like 51 degrees here in Salem. Yeah. And right now, it's like, you know, I checked this right before I called. It's, you know, 36 degrees. It's not even freezing. Right, right. It, we, it's been warm the last couple of days. Anyway, now. I was just concerned. Like I said, I missed the beginning, and I was like, whoa, where are you guys going with this? You're making it sound like we're living on the, you know, on the I'm moon. Not try- I wasn't trying to scare people off, but, but the, you know, the seasonal affective disorder, is that what it's called? Yeah. I mean, that really is a real concern for some well, people. When I heard that, I was thinking maybe maybe Nick had that, and maybe it seemed like that to him. No, no, no. no. It, it really, on, uh, Nick's, Nick's a friend of mine, so I'm picking on him in a friendly way here. <laughs> well, you know, it's never really bothered me. Too much that not. I mean, it doesn't get that bad. You're right, and um, it's I, it's what I've always known. So it, it doesn't. Right, really and it just me gets much. prettier from here on out. Like I said, as it gets, it's going to start getting colder. Yes, it, mm-hmm. it can get particularly cold, but it's not like we're living in the dark. It's not like we're in Alaska. You know, I have to say, as a Florida native, I have to say that I prefer it to be cold rather than hot, uh, because you know, I remember the last day That's what I they was make in, clothes for. Well, yeah, that's what they make clothes for. It's why they have heat. And, uh, you know, it's sort of the reverse. Here in New Hampshire, heat is a luxury, whereas in Florida, air conditioning is a luxury. So it's just sort of the same situation, just completely reversed. But I think it's preferable to have it cold out because uh, I can just remember the last day I was in Florida when I was going out to the moving truck to load some stuff up. uh, I had walked from my front door to the moving truck and I was already sweating. So, you know, if it's hot outside, there's really not that much you can do about that. You're going to be sweltering. Right, even if you're naked. Yeah, you're going to be sweating, and it's just right. awful. And I have to say that I, I would prefer uh, the kind of weather we have, and I do prefer the kind of weather we have here in New well, Hampshire. One, of, one of the real beauties of here is uh, Florida. You've got that all the time. A friend of mine who was really, oh, yeah. uh, he was studying to be a weatherman, mm-hmm. which I don't know why anybody would want to do that, but he was a strange fellow, and he's a friend of mine. I don't know, want to be on TV. Florida, and I said, what the heck are you doing with that? Here, you've got seasons, and that's one of the beauties of New England. You know, there's an old saying, I don't know if you heard it, New England, if you don't like the weather, just wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a huge exaggeration, right. but, you know, it's absolutely gorgeous. You've got a couple of times a year that, you know, you, sometimes I can call it mud season in the spring, or, you know, I kind of, to me, this, 
in between the foliage and when it starts to get real cold and you can depend on the snow sticking around. Mm-hmm. It's not that pretty, but it starts to, and it doesn't last that I long. Think, I think snowy, uh, snow-covering things has its own, you know, beauty. of it. It's, it's oh. different, but it's, I think it's pretty. I do. It's absolutely gorgeous. Great. I think one of the keys if you're going to live up here and, and um, enjoy the winter is to do something outside. If you're, even if you're not an outdoorsy person, try, try to do something outside. I uh, went snowboarding. Ski. Oh, did this, you? Nice. <laughs> Julia got me to go snowboarding with her. Nice. And uh, uh, it was like a nice idea. But what happened was when we got off the, the ski lift, uh, which was a, a disaster on its own. But when we got off the ski lift... Uh, we tried to go on the bunny trail, which is the really easy trail, sure. and uh, I, of course, have never done anything like this before. But unfortunately, what happened was I couldn't really control myself and started going down like the expert hill on accident, <laughs> and I really should have unhooked my boots and crawled back up to the bunny trail, because I could not even stand up on the way down. So, and dude, I just, you know what you have to do, right? I, well, what I had to do was fall down about 25 no. times before I no, got well, to I the mean, bottom you know of the hill. you have to do now. You need to go back and try it again. Oh yeah, we went up again. You're, and went you're up. not going to make those same mistakes. Oh no, 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 no! I'm just pointing like out. Sailing on that. Whatever thing. you do, don't go anywhere but the bunny hill the <laughs> first time out. Because she kept telling me, "Oh, just stand up." Well, I couldn't stand up. I had no idea yeah, what the hell I was doing. You know how to do it. Yeah, yeah. snowboarding. <laughs> t- I mean, I, I ski and snowboarding. I, I tried it one time and I kept falling down and. It was oh, kind of frustrating because I knew how to ski, didn't know how to snowboard very well, so I just stuck with the skiing. Well, I fell so many times on that with that first hill. I mean, it was no problem on the bunny hills later. I mean, I fell a few times, obviously, but it was just fall after fall after fall. I'm still hurting, and it's been several days. It's like I well, got my so butt people, kicked by a gang. Just so people who, who are listening who are not used to this whole idea, um, I made a decision. Uh, I didn't want to give up my walking in the forest routine mm-hmm. when it became winter, of, uh, became late fall the first year that I was up here. I didn't move far, but I also wasn't in the habit of walking in the forest all the time. And it got to snow, and I said, man, I don't want to give this up. And I, and I looked at the cost of just cross-country skiing or snowshoeing, and mm-hmm. I knew this is what you have to do. To, if, if you want to enjoy the outdoors, that's all you need to do. Just it's not that expensive. You just and buy I chose snowshoeing just uh, for one reason. The cost of doing that or, or cross-country skiing was essentially the same, and I looked at it like, I don't need any skills at all to right. do snowshoeing. Yeah, I mean, and, all you have to do is buy the equipment and then you're done, right? You, right. you get and the shoes can, and the and warm clothes. And I can also go over these hills and over these rocks and all kinds of stuff that you know the cross-country skiers can't quite do. And they've got a different advantage. They can go faster, cover more ground. So, so you know, it's it's it'd be nice to do all these things, but uh, it's just absolutely wonderful. So it concerned me when when you got. It seemed like I, when I, as soon as I turned on, and it sounded like you guys were. Well, thank you for calling in to clarify that. It's not as bad as uh, we might have accidentally made it sound. I think we've probably, I think we've done a fine job of backtracking at this point, John. Thanks for the call. Aid, and uh, always good hearing from you. Happy Christmas. Yes, sir. 1-800-259-9231. It really is, uh, the season thing is really neat, especially as someone who's a Florida native. We just don't have those down there. Or we didn't have those. Down I don't there. know why I do it out seasons. So one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up anything. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live, the live Christmas Eve edition. It's time to pick a candidate, a serious candidate for president, and start moving forward. That candidate is George Phillies. This is George Phillies, Libertarian for President. I approved of this message, paid for by Phillies two thousand eight. Live, it is your show, and you 
you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features for free. And those features include the live streams. We've got a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version, both for free for you at freetalklive.com. And do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you'd like to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. That's 1-800-544-6359 for SACL CAI. Now, on this show, in the past, we've talked a number of times, and inevitably we'll talk more about it in the future, uh, about the idea of free market protection services. And it's, it's a reason, the reason we are going to talk about it inevitably into the future is because it's just an idea that people have never heard of before. And when they hear about it for the first time, they want to know more. In fact, uh, if you want to know more about these sort of free market ideas, not just protection services, but how the free market can pretty much do everything better than the government, and how we can actually get away from the government in the in the first place and actually get to the free market, I have, as of today, completed my dictation of a little book that I happen to be a huge fan of. It's called The Market for Liberty. It is uh, by Morris and Linda Tannehill. So I've completed uh, dictating all 16 chapters. Uh, I've got to review the final chapter because I finished it just before the show. I need to go back and make sure I didn't make any mistakes. I'm going to do a little introduction and maybe a little afterward or something like that. So I've got a little bit more work to do, but with any luck, tomorrow at the very latest by the end of the year, I'll have released this. Basically, it's a free audio book that I'm going to be releasing at freetalklive.com. So that's going to be a good way to get more information on some of this stuff. But the basic idea is that there really isn't anything that government does very well except kill people and steal your money. So what we want to do is, or what I want to do, and, and free marketeers like myself would like to get the government out of a lot of these services that they claim that we need so much. You know, oh, well, what would you do without government police? Well, right. well, you'd, you'd like to get them out of all of the services. Yes. <laughs> Minarchists like myself want to get them out of Almost all of the services. Right. You're one of the small government guys. So now, uh, is one of the government services you want to keep government protection? Um, yes, government police. Well, then you might find these numbers interesting. Uh, Gil Gillory Gil, Gil at uh, com has run some of the numbers here. Because the idea of marketizing protection services is you get it out of the hands of the government, you put it in the hands of people in the marketplace who are in search of profit, who will compete to offer those services. So instead of having to buy, or instead of being forced by the government to pay for services that you may or may not want, uh, in the case of the police, I can't really think of any services that they offer that I'm too interested in. I mean, they want to give me tickets for speeding, uh, arrest my friends for smoking marijuana, and then from time to time they'll go after a real criminal. And so I think that in the marketplace you'd see a, a major shift. You'd see them actually just focusing on protecting people because no one's going to pay for a service that charges them for running a stop sign or something like that. So all of those nonsense, silly laws are going to go away. And I'm sure that you agree with at least reforming the government police, Nick. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. I right. think we've gotten towards a police state mentality instead of more of a peace officer mentality. We could probably use a lot less police, get rid of the war on drugs. And I'm fine with uh, with private protection as far as private security. I think that's great. takes a lot of the uh, the workload off the police. I just... My biggest thing with the free market is, aside from defense, is having a justice system that 
everybody agrees upon, and ideally one that's only based on crimes of force and fraud. But I think you need some kind of uh, civilized judicial way to deal with with the few people who make problems like stealing and killing and raping. Sure, and the Market for Liberty does a great job talking about market arbitration and that sort of thing. I've I've heard many arguments for market arbitration. It might work someday. I'm not completely convinced it would work. My thing is just let's try getting to a very small government where it's only police and the military we have to talk about. Oh, I I totally agree with that approach, Nick. But that's but that's you know something we're all working towards is getting to that smaller government point and then continuing to discuss. Uh, but we're sort of continuing the discussion now, basically, because it's still interesting and fascinating, and people need to uh, to think about these things in advance of of even getting to that point. And so we're not going to focus on arbitration, but so much we're, what we're going to focus on here today is uh, some of the ideas as far as what it would cost to actually buy insurance against aggression. Because today, if you, for instance, have your bike stolen. You call the police, they inevitably will have a form for you to fill out. Or, if you're lucky, they'll fill it out for you. Uh, but you'll probably have to fill out the form. And, you know, they'll take the report, and they'll claim to cle- you know, keep their eyes open. If they happen to see anything, they'll let you know, and you, you might get your bike back. Odds are against it. Um, and it doesn't, they don't really actually do any sort of investigation, because, again, the police don't really have a financial incentive to go out there and do that sort of, uh, that sort of work. So... What would happen if the marketplace were offering some sort of, you know, insurance to prevent those thefts? Not necessarily prevent them, but uh, to uh, compensate you in the event that something like that were to happen. And Gil writes in, he says, uh, what if there were a company that would patrol your neighborhood and be financially liable for losses due to crime on your property? Would you be interested in subscribing? Could something like that actually work and be profitable? And would it be preferable to tax-funded patrol? This idea has been suggested by a number of libertarians, and some people think the insurance component of such a venture would completely swamp its viability. So how much would it take to cover, uh, just to cover the payouts for losses? My friends and I decided to find out. We took a look at data from the FBI Uniform Crime Reports and the Department of Justice National Crime Victimization Surveys, and picked a specific location in the U.S., did a little bit of math, and found out that to insure against the peril of murder, assuming each victim's estate would be given $1 million U.S. dollars, it would cost approximately $8 a year per household. To insure against the peril of rape, assuming each victim would be given $50,000 U.S. dollars, it would cost about $21 a year per household. To insure against the peril of battery and assault, assuming each victim would be made whole for monetary losses only, it would cost approximately $3 a year per household. To insure against all property crimes... Robbery, burglary, motor vehicle theft, assuming each victim would be made whole for monetary losses only, it would cost about $126 per year per household. But wait, you already have car insurance and homeowner's insurance. What if the payouts were capped at your homeowner's insurance deductible, where your insurance company already starts picking up the tab? Well then, to insure against all property crimes, it would cost only about $25 a year per household. Maybe the idea isn't so crazy after all. It's a great business model, someone other. Get on that. <laughs> oh, I, I absolutely agree. I, the problem is that government doesn't like competition, and so if you come in and you start offering competing services to existing government protection services, they tend to get a little upset about well, that. Well, I mean, if you have a private neighborhood association, you can't claim to exclusively have have jurisdiction there. You can't say the police can't can't do anything there. Um, but what we're talking about here is mostly insurance, and the the company would have some incentive to prevent crime as well, to prevent the payouts. So I think you could do this even with our system. It depends Maybe. on your local jurisdictions, but I think in a in say a private association where the roads are owned by the homeowners in the association, I think you could 
could set something like this up? It's possible. I don't really know what all the laws are like, but I think that in the in the current I think it'd be more possible if we actually shifted our our current government justice system to a system of actual real justice where people were compensated for uh, the damage that was done. And that really doesn't happen enough today in America. So, for instance, if the insurance company... If uh, you you know something again, the bike is stolen from uh, from your front yard, and you had you had it locked up. The insurance company would essentially you know do a quick investigation. They determine that you didn't steal your own bike, so they would pay you for the bike and make you whole as the victim. So the insurance company will take care of you if you were insured. But then the insurance company is going to want to go and get their money back because they had to pay out on that deal, and somebody's got that bike. So, you know, if there had been a, a brash of bike thefts or whatever, and a rash, rather, of bike thefts, and they found the, the thief, the insurance company would want to um, have a judgment passed against the thief to where they said, well, you've stolen five bikes, you owe us, you know, $5,000. Plus, plus the co- yeah, whatever the cost of, of, of the, the bikes the court. And, and of pursuing The investigation, them. yeah. Right. So, I mean, let's just say for the five bikes and $500 bikes, it'd be $5,000. That There would have to be a justice system in place, whether it be government or a private arbitration system, that would, would say to the criminal, you know, you need to pay this company back or else. And and then in that case, I think the system could work. Oh, Eight, yeah. 800-259-9231. But if we have, where, if we have it where the, you know, the bike thief just goes to jail for a few days, then the insurance company's not going to be too interested in offering that as an option because they can't make back their costs. More on the way. Uh, this is your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. This is your show. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features for free. Like the show. You want to help support Free Talk Live then you can go to the Free Talk Live store and do a little shopping. Go to store.freetalklive.com. You'll see we've got all kinds of neat merchandise, including uh, Free Talk Live hats and T-shirts, hoodies. We've got DVD classic archive collector sets, free bumper stickers. Uh, Head over to store.freetalklive.com. You'll find out about our special offer, where if you order... If your order includes a Free Talk Live t-shirt, and if that's all you want to order, then you can just order that. But if as long as it includes a Free Talk Live t-shirt or the Free Marketeer t-shirt, we will send... $10, basically the cost of shipping, will send $10 to the Ron Paul campaign. So just another way to give you an extra incentive to go out and buy some Free Talk Live gear this holiday season. Uh, it's not too late, and this is going on from now through the end of the year. So you've got about another week uh, to take advantage of this special deal. Again, sending $10 to the Ron Paul campaign if you buy a Free Talk Live t-shirt. And we were only going to do $5 for the ladies' tees, but Mark said he'd throw in the extra 5 So even if you order the ladies' T-shirt, our margins aren't as high on that. Mark's going to throw in personally $5 uh, to the Ron Paul campaign for that. So all the details there at store.freetalklive.com. Let's go into the email box here. Again, it's the live Christmas Eve edition. Do not be fooled. Those other radio hosts are not on the air tonight, but Free Talk Live is. So we're here, and we want to hear from you. Uh Let's go to Adam. He says, guys, love the show. Here's one problem I believe will not be solved by changing to a free market system in healthcare. Now, that's one you're probably with me on, right, Nick? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, in a free market system, as it is right now, and no, Adam, it's not a free market system right now. That's nope. you know the first point that needs to be rebutted here. People think this about the healthcare system in America, and I don't know why. Uh, if you think that the, fr- that the healthcare system in America is free market, then either you don't know what the free market is, 
or you don't know much about the healthcare system. Well, it's it's understandable because we're told we live in a free market society by and large. It's just a lie. I don't even remember being told that well, in we, school. Capitalist society. I mean, people just make the assumption that we're supposed to be free uh, people, yes. well, but we're not. Unfortunately, the truth about the healthcare industry is is that most of the dollars spent are spent by governments, whether it be federal or local or state governments. Most of the money in the healthcare world in America is spent by governments, which means that far from being free market, the healthcare system in America is anything but. It's uh, it's a mostly socialized system. It's not a hundred percent socialized like North Korea, uh, but it is mostly. And that's not good for innovation. It's not good for uh, for competition, for prices coming down. They're not. They're going up. Uh, and, and service just keeps continually getting worse. More and more good doctors and nurses are dropping out because they're frustrated with all the, the requirements. Or many of them have decided to go on a cash-only basis and just say no to uh, to Medicare payments, which I think is a brilliant idea. So is our system free market? Not even close. Should it be? Absolutely, because that would that would solve pretty much all of the problems that we have. Right, a great amount of money is spent just on the overhead doing the government required paperwork in health healthcare. Yeah. I've heard estimates up to ten percent of overall healthcare costs are not doctors or anything involved with medicine, just the people behind the scenes processing government required paperwork or or right. something like that. Paper shuffling, subsidized insurance. Yep. yep. Uh, so let me continue with his email, though. He says the pharmaceutical companies today spend little toward finding a cure for the, de- uh, for the diseases of today. Now, I don't know if that's really true, but we continue. He's a little cynical here. He says, as we all know, the money is in the treatment, not the cure. And I don't see that, ch- that changing unless the government starts a program with that express intent. Although that will never happen because of all the money politicians receive from drug companies. Well, first of all, it won't ever happen because government research projects are typically ineffective. Because government can't direct money as effectively as the marketplace can. So if, for instance, you know, different universities or science, scientific laboratories around the country want to do their own research, they find their own investors, and they get to decide how to spend that money as opposed to it coming down from on high by government uh, diktat. I think he may have a point here, though. I think that the drug companies largely do want to make money, and they do lobby the government, especially for uh, holistic medicine, alternative medicine. Anything that might work better than regular expensive medicine that they can make a profit off of or generics, they lobby to get banned from the U.S. market. So they, they do use government to try to enhance their profits, which isn't in the interest of profit taking. Right. I didn't want to. I didn't want to label them all with right. the same brush. I don't know if that's true of all of the drug companies, but yes, I, I do agree with you there. There's definitely some collusion going on between these corporations and the government, and it's not good for 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 health freedom. Right. But there there does tend to, if the drug companies aren't making any profit, they're not going to put any money into finding new cures. If everything went to generic right off the bat, they're probably not going to make very much money, and they're not going to have much to spend on finding. Researching new well, medicines. Well, now that's where I wanted to go. I mean, there's a little bit more to this here, but my what I wanted to touch on was the fact that these drug companies, you know, they're they're screwed in one way, but they also use this like the government screws them over, but they also use the government to screw over other companies. So they're trying to just they're trying to break even, I guess you could say, right. because they're screwed over in the fact that they have to pay billions of dollars in order to get their drug even on the marketplace and get through this FDA approval process in the first place. So if it weren't for these huge uh, governmental hoops that were being put up, the cost of research and development on the co- – I mean, there's research and development, and then there's the 
regulatory costs that are slapped on top of that, which makes research and development seem to cost more than it actually does. I don't claim to know what it costs to R&D a new drug, but I know that it would be cheaper if they didn't have to spend the billion dollars or however many billions it is on getting it through the FDA process and the 10 years that's also right. required Wait there. before they can turn it around and make any money whatsoever off it. Exactly. So that's one of the reasons why the drugs that are in the marketplace are as expensive as they are. It's because the government's standing in the way of, uh, of that market freedom. And there's another aspect here. Let me continue his email. He says, I truly believe that healthcare will become much cheaper, more efficient, and will advance quicker in a free market system. That much is true. However, I also believe that even if the drug companies happen to accidentally discover and invent a cure as a byproduct of their quest for an ever more profitable treatment, that they would do their best to keep that cure from becoming widely available. He says, your thoughts? Well, I think that you're probably right in today's world, where the government uh, has helped insulate these drug companies from competition. As you pointed out, Nick, the holistic manufacturers, the natural solution guys, you know, they aren't allowed to, to advertise their products. They can't advertise the benefits, even though even if they might have done their own study that proves that, you know, taking echinacea prevents a cold. And I don't know if that's true, but even if they might have done that, they can't promote it. And so they can't even they can't even compete on even close to an even playing field with the drug companies uh, because the drug companies are buddy buddy with the FDA and, and the government. And so without the government there to stand in the way of this uh, marketplace functioning, I think you'd see a whole lot more competition. And with that extra competition, you would see companies absolutely researching cures and putting cures out there on the market because they would get all the business if they, if they created a cure. I think even in today's world, I think if they find a cure for cancer, um, whatever company finds that will probably put it on the market. That They can make a lot of money that way, even if they make another portion of their income off of treating cancer, um, not every company is going to have a large part of its um, stock in treating cancer. Some pharmaceutical companies won't have many patents on cancer drugs, so they, would, they wouldn't be hurting themselves by finding a cure. So I think in the free market, yes, and even in today's mixed market, I think if there was a cure for cancer, I think it would be put on the market. Some people are a little too cynical, I think. Think, of the, think of the name recognition, you know? Oh, yeah. I Pfizer mean, comes up with a cure for cancer. I mean, that's huge publicity for right. them. And then Merck's upstage, so they're going to go and try to cure something else, maybe right. AIDS. Now that's, I mean, that's not to say that... I mean, these these companies make all kinds of drugs. I mean, Pfizer and these other companies, um, as bad as they might be in some areas, they, they're, you know, they're out there pumping out aspirin and you know eye drops, and there's all kinds of consumable products that they are producing as well. So it's not like their only business is in cancer research and all of that. So if they come up with a cure for cancer, that just means that they're keeping customers alive longer so they can use their eye drop products and that sort of thing. So, you know, try to look at it from a from a bigger perspective. And now this might be something we disagree on, Nick. I think that if there were no intellectual property, then that would change the face of the uh, the medicine research field just completely because if there's no intellectual property then uh you know they they re- then you would have uh you would have medications being released that could be uh, duplicated easily and that the the products would be would be very affordable uh and again you wouldn't have the government standing in the way of real marketplace competition uh to get those products to the, to the market i absolutely agree with you that it would it would change things radically i just don't think it would be for the better i don't think people <laughs> would have much of an incentive to invest even without the regular steps, R&D would take millions or billions of dollars for some of these projects. You know what? I mean, a lot of R&D costs are actually in lawyers' fees 
to uh, they, to process patent applications and that sort of they, thing they and are, protect intellectual that's property. That's true, but if you're going to have to sell at a generic price, I still think you're disincentivizing the drug companies to put... They'd still be putting millions of dollars in. They have staffs that have to work for... Year, sometimes the science just takes years to develop some of these cures. I also think that uh, in the absence of intellectual property, what you're not looking at is that the market would reorient itself in different ways that you and I might not necessarily be able to think right now. I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I Hour think three in the short term would be bad. is on the way. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is the live Christmas Eve edition of the show, launching into hour number three of the program. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site you'll find there for free. That's freetalklive.com. It's like our 365-day-a-year Christmas gift to you. Uh, because those other radio talk show hosts, they want to charge you for accessing their websites, and ours is free. Freetalklive.com. I don't know, Nick. Did, did we want to continue talking about intellectual property? Should we, should we hold that over here? Because uh, we, we might as well. The hell. Uh, we were talking last hour briefly about the idea of the medical industry and getting intellectual, getting rid of intellectual property. And you were concerned that in the absence of intellectual property, that there would be some some serious short-term problems. What do you see those as, as being? Well, I'm not seeing as much incentive to actually design new products and services. Well, I mean, now if you look in the world of music, if you look in the world of, uh, of artwork, many of these musicians and artists, uh, many of the people are creating things on YouTube – a lot of the, uh, for instance, the people in uh, the world of programming, the open source that are doing, a, a lot of these people uh, are doing very, very creative works, very original works that obviously take a lot of time, and they're doing it completely for free uh, because they know that, they must know that there's very little chance that they're going to be discovered by some record label uh, or somebody's going to all of a sudden want to buy their art or whatever. Very, very few artists and musicians actually ever make it big or anything like that, but yet they continue to turn out original content. Why do you think that is? Uh, I suppose they enjoy doing it. So mm-hmm. isn't, isn't it possible that there are people out there in the world that enjoy the idea of uh, trying to cure people and, and help them feel better? I, somehow I think there's less, I think there are much fewer people who would, uh, in their leisure time, because they enjoyed it, do chemistry in their lab to try to find a cure for cancer or something like that. What I, uh, what I really like is the idea that I think it was Stephen Kinsella, and I, he's got his own website, and he's very anti-intellectual property. He um, put out like a 50-page paper on, on this issue, just the general, all the objections to getting rid of intellectual property and just knocking them, out of, I think, out of the park one after, one after another. And basically his suggestion was that in the absence of intellectual property, which, uh, which I prefer to call monopoly privilege, because basically the idea is that you create a concept and then you use this gang called the government to back you up and prevent anybody else from possibly utilizing that idea in some way. For a period of years, yep. Right. Uh, some arbitrary period of years selected right. by an arbitrary group of bureaucrats, uh, which is you know bad enough on its own. Who the hell are these people and how long, you know, how do they know how long you should be able to keep your ideas for? They're just people. So... You get rid of that intellectual property, and his, his suggestion was what we can't really envision too well is how the marketplace would reorient itself 
to come up with these ideas uh, on a, in a profitable uh, on a profitable ba- uh, basis. And one of his suggestions, and I always like to throw it out there, and I don't think you've ever been on the show and we've talked about this before, so I'd love to hear your thoughts. I think one of his ideas was essentially that we would have kind of like idea factories, like uh, universities, for instance, could bring inventors on board and come up with ideas for the purpose of getting reputation and uh, being renowned as the university that has come up with the cure for cancer, that sort of thing. Uh, so they would come up with those ideas, and they, they would release them, because there's no intellectual property anymore. They would just release them to the marketplace, and other companies, maybe the, the actual drug manufacturers in these cases, could take that and use it and, and manufacture a product or modify it, you know, uh, combine some of their own ideas with it, and basically they would be more manufacturers than they would be research and development. Perhaps the research and development, I guess my point here, would be done elsewhere, perhaps outside of the uh, the current company structure that we have today. Does uh, that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I've, I've heard the idea before. I don't, I think it would work to some extent, um, and I, I think there's a lot more leeway with people like recording artists and um, people on the internet have with making profit even without intellectual property. Um, but I just don't think it's going to support, that system would support the same level of development um, that we see right now. I just don't think that the what about What about the clothing industry? How do you approach that one? Because they have no intellectual property protections. Right. Yet you still have name brands that charge, you know, through the nose... Uh, for some of these clothes, which aren't really, in my opinion, that much different than a Walmart brand. Uh, but they managed to get away with it, and you know, a lot of these purses, for instance, are thousands of dollars. Uh, you can go and buy a Chinese ripoff, which you know may or may not be the same quality level, but it, it sure looks like the other purse. What's I mean? How's how do they make money if they don't have their intellectual well, it's, property? It's branding. I mean, market <laughs> just slapping a brand name on something will get people to pay two, three, four times as much, even if it's no better than other products. Mm-hmm. Which really is, I, I think, is being a bad consumer on the part of the general public. <laughs> um, but I, I can see that. I can see that Merck or Pfizer would do better selling, say, medication or something like that by slapping their brand name on there, and they'd have the money up front to market it and kind of portray themselves as a top-of-the-line drug company. Uh, maybe they could offer some services where they test it. Or they could, or they could brag as, you know, first-to-market. Right. right. You know, we, we created this. Everyone else isn't the original, that sort of thing. Right, the so original. I don't know how cool that is when it comes to medication. Right. I don't I, think there's a cool factor there. Right, and I, I can see that they do better by branding things, but I don't see what incentive they have to be the ones to come up with the idea and put the money into creating the idea. So there's some incentive there to say, we're first, we come up with new drugs, we're the, we're the top-of-the-line company, you might be able to make some profits that way. I just don't think there's the same level of incentive you have today with, we created a new drug and we're going to make profit off it for now. It's I think it's, a, neither one is a perfect system, and I think they both have their pluses and their minuses. I think it's more more minuses on the uh, the intellectual property side, with gov- the government's monopoly privilege. Well, the government does a very, as it often does, does a very poor job with the system we have today. Oh, I think yeah. we could have a uh, an intellectual property system... That was a little less bureaucratic and that could actually function better. I think that if there were some way for the marketplace to do it, I'd support it. I don't know how that would be. I don't know how the marketplace could possibly uh, protect ideas. I don't know if it's possible. I'd love to hear your thoughts at 800-259-9231. I'll certainly agree that the system today is awful because 
it's a government system, and so therefore uh, lawyers are the primary, you know, patrons of it. They they know the ins and the outs, the patent lawyers of uh, the patent system, and so they're the ones that are really making the big money off of uh, the patent system more so than the inventors and the, these others. And that's why a lot of the money that goes into research and development is going to the legal division to make sure they've got all their T's crossed and their I's dotted when it comes to filling out these patent applications and getting everything uh, done legally. So they can protect themselves. So a lot of those costs would be gone, and that would mean that the research and development costs would be far lower, uh, you know, lower than they are today. But I can see where you're coming from in that, you know, you don't think they would necessarily have the same incentives. However, uh, again, I think the incentives would change, and because they don't have to spend the money on the legal side of things, then that would sort of help adjust uh, for that factor. And I'm sure there are some things that we haven't thought of yet that would, you know, that would come about that. Uh, would be a good thing. In fact, here's what I was thinking. Um, there was an example that we read a few months ago on the show about uh, grills, like grilling technology. Right. You know, you've got the old coal-style grilling technology. Of course, there's gas and, and other things like that. And there was a newer one, which, I mean, it's not brand new. It's it's like far infrared heat, uh, some sort of uh, section of the infrared spectrum that they've used, they've somehow instituted into grilling. I'm not a scientist. I don't know what it is exactly, but it but it's supposedly a you know like space age kind of technology and basically what happened was the company that came up with this you know they filed for the patent and they they sat on it because that's what you do you sit and you collect profits as right. uh, no one else cuz no one else can can use those ideas but as a result the the grilling industry just sort of stagnated for a decade or two as these guys sat on their patent uh whereas if they hadn't been able to patent that idea, other grill um, manufacturers could have taken those ideas and modified them, and you know there would have been more competition. So not having patents encourages companies to keep researching and developing in order to stay on top of the marketplace instead of that instead of resting on their laurels and waiting for their 20 years to come up or however long it is. Well, in a way, you're right, and I, I'm not a fan of the patent system we have now, where you essentially have a monopoly on the product for a certain period of years. I do think that if a company or a person develops something truly innovative, a, a truly original idea, um, other people should be able to use it, but that that person should be compensated to some degree for them using that idea, I think at they, least for a certain number of years. They should, maybe, but I don't think that getting the government involved in, in forcing that well, to happen is to Well, there has to be some... Because then you have a bureaucrat sitting there deciding, well, Nick... I don't think we've... This is not an original enough idea. Patent denied. You know, then who makes those decisions? It's some unaccountable bureaucrat, and that's where the system's going to fall every single time. More on the way. You can take control. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. It's the live Christmas Eve edition of the program, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features there, completely free. Uh, and by the way, those features include updates. So get signed up, and we'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Barry Cooper wants you to never get busted. Jim Lark was the chairman of the Libertarian Party. Ethan Nadelman is the founder of the Drug Policy Alliance. Peter Christ is a spokesman for law enforcement against prohibition. And Congressman Ron Paul has called for an end to federal drug rates. They all want to end the war on drugs, and they'll all be at the Liberty Forum. Where will you be? 
I know I'm going to be there. Nick's going to be there as well. Um, register now at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. Get all the information. There's a whole lot more speakers than what we've just mentioned there. Uh, and there's going to be hundreds of liberty-loving people all in the same hotel, hanging out, having a good time, uh, socializing and planning and strategizing. And it's really just an amazing event. Freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. If you want to save 10%, use the code 2008FTL. 800-259-9231. By the way, uh, Nick, his other job, if you will, is uh, hosting a television show called Free Minds TV. And uh, you, I think, are taking a week off because of the holiday, because the studio shut down. You can't yeah, actually go. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that uh, you can't go and view uh, past episodes at freemindstv.com. Uh, so a great way to kill a little bit of time, maybe during these uh, this little downtime while you, you can't work. Go to Free Minds TV and watch a few episodes. It's good stuff. In fact, I'm a couple episodes behind, so I need to catch up. Anyway, uh, here's something I mentioned we were going to talk about earlier tonight. It's a story about 50 Santas. Not just regular Santas, but a gang of rampaging drunken Santas, according to The Sun. Uh, Police believe that the Santas, who apparently were uh, ransacking a cinema, frightening customers, damaging property, and swearing... They believe the Santas who went on a rampage in New Zealand were a group of university students. Figures. They ran amok through Hoyt's Cinema Complex in South Island in Christchurch on Saturday. As they ran through the complex, they wrecked everything they could. The Christmas tree, they bowled everything over. They were just absolute fools, uh, said one of the police. He added that the hooligans abused astonished cinema goers, chanted obscenities, ripped down posters, and knocked over cardboard figures advertising films. How often do a bunch of Santas just go and wreak havoc, said one uh, commentator. It was a random act of stupidity that upset moviegoers. And I imagine it upset the theater owner, too. Security cameras caught the action, but Rive said with their hats, white beards, and suits, the rampaging Santas cannot be identified. Film fan Kate Gorman was waiting to see the movie Enchanted with her two children when the group arrived. She said they were kicking things over, ripping down posters, and smashing everything in sight. They were all dressed as Santa and shouting, Ho! Expletive Ho! Her children, who are six and seven, had been confused by the incident. She said they asked me, are they Santa's helpers gone crazy? And I said, no, they're just idiots. As they left, the Santas triggered a fire alarm, forcing several hundred patrons to evacuate the complex for a half an hour. Now, this is just despicable. I mean, oh, yeah, it's very bad behavior. Just outrageous. Uh, and it was premeditated, too. I mean, you don't, oh, just, yeah. you don't just have 50 college students and... Santa's outfits before right. they get drunk. I mean, this was this was planned. I'm surprised they didn't show up anywhere else. I mean, if you're going to go on a drunken rampage, why target the movie theater? Why there? Uh, it's a good question. I have. <laughs> it just seems like a strange act. I, I I can't really see a rhyme or reason to why they picked what they did. It just it just makes me angry because these college kids just need to have something better to do. Is isn't it just that they're just so damn bored that they don't know anything else than to get wasted and go and destroy things? Probably, yeah. I mean that's yeah that's pretty much it. And now I'm wondering where they got the fifty Santa suits. There must be a well, way to figure out who. I mean, some, if somebody bought fifty Santa suits, that would be a big. That's a good off. point. Yeah, if they did it all at once, but then again, if each individual just bought a Santa suit, yeah. there'd probably be no way to tell. Yeah. Somebody would go on eBay, someone would go to a costume store, Yeah. so it probably came in from all different places. But, you know, here you go. Where are the police when you need them? I mean, you've got 50 people trashing some somebody's business, and the police say, well, uh, can't 
Can't help you here. Right, well, 50 dressed drunk, up. Yeah, 50 drunk guys in Santa suits can get trashed to theater and then get away before the police can respond. Right. You know, not very surprising, but disappointing. Well, the police aren't very good at responding to anything. And can you imagine how the 911 call went or whatever it is in New Zealand? I don't know if it's 911. It's probably something else there. But, you know, 911 uh, emergency. Yeah, there's 50 drunk Santas trashing my movie theater. I mean, are they going to even believe you? I don't know. That sounds like a crank. It, it does sound like a crank. I would, I'd be like, well, call us back later. Once again, I Bells think this is, this is another area where uh, a situation like this would probably be taken a lot more seriously by a non-governmental protection agency. Oh, it, it might be. I mean, I don't know how fast they struck. I mean, there's not much you can do. A theater doesn't have very high security standards. There's not much you can do if people just come in, do something, and get out. They're probably going to get That's out before true. security arrives. It, yeah, it could be literally seconds. You know, it yeah. could be uh, 30 seconds or a minute at most uh, for the damage and destruction. But that said, anybody in the marketplace is going to respond faster than the government cops. That much is true. Most likely. And unless they all scattered once they left then you would certainly be able to see a group of 50 Santas leaving the scene of the crime. I mean, I suppose they could have all gone in different directions, but even with 50 people, it's hard to have 50 different directions to go in. I mean, you either go down the street or the other way, or you know, right. there can't be that many uh, escape routes. Yeah, I wonder how long the response took. I mean, doesn't mention it here. be total speculation to think I about that. But we do know the police have no leads, and they've got nothing. So obviously, it was long enough to where no one was around. Yeah, I think this was. I think somebody had a sick sense of humor and thought this would be funny. Which I mean, it wasn't for the theater owner in a way, I guess. But do you think that? Do you think that these kids, you know, again, presuming that they're right, and the, these were college kids. I mean, I'm sure the victims there that were at the theater got a look at these people. And they could tell that they were right. of that age. So, do you think that? You think that people like this, they, you know, they grow up and they they get into their thirties or their forties, and do they look back and smile at doing crap like this, or do they regret it later on? Do they say to themselves, you know, I was a real crappy kid? Um, I think it really depends on the person. I guess so. I think it really does. I think some people will look back on it and smile. Um, some will feel bad about it, and some will do a little bit of both. I think there are some things that people do that they know they shouldn't have done. You know. 10 or 20 or 30 years ago. Right. But at the same time, it's a memory, you know, they kind of hold it up in esteem, even though it's not something they wish they'd done. Now, again, in a uh, in a more market-based society, or even in a restitution-based uh, justice system, because we can have this with the, with the government courts, right. um, with a restitution-based system, then these hooligans, as they were described, would have to pay the theater owner uh, for any damage that they did, and it sounds like they, you know, destroyed some... Um, some point of purchase displays and that sort of thing. Uh, that you know they'd have to pay for whatever those costs were. They'd probably have to pay some sort of uh, you know suffering uh, charge for the the customers that had their kids confused as hell uh, as right. a result of this. And uh, you know any other costs that were involved in prosecuting them. I think that if we had a society where people were 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 actually having to pay restitution for doing crimes like this, there would be a lot more deterrent uh, deterrent factor. Because if you knew in advance that if you were caught, that you'd have to actually make the victim whole, you'd be less likely to actually do the crime in the first place. Whereas if you you know you're going to get ten hours of community service, whatever. Right. And these kids would probably get a slap on the wrist if they yes. do get caught. Exactly. Because the so. their parents are likely, you know, somewhat privileged. They're probably privileged white kids, that sort of thing. And, you know, they'd go for five or ten hours of community service and be done with it. And it'd still be worth it to them. But if they actually had to pay out of their pocket for all that damage, I think it'd make a difference. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. 
With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, and it is your show, The Live. Uh, not Saturday, though. It's not Saturday. It's Monday evening, which means it is the live Christmas Eve edition of the program, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and we invite you to our website. Go to the wiki. We've got over 1,500 pages created by listeners like you. You can go and edit the wiki to your heart's content. It's the listener-editable version of our site. Go to wiki.freetalklive.com to get interactive. wiki.freetalklive.com. And you also need to know about SACL CAI. They have a uh, full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows the way they treat your customer reflects on you, so their staff is respectful. They record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy, so your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. That's 1-800-544-6359 for SACL CAI. And again, our number here is 800-259-9231. In the studio live with you this Christmas Eve. Want to hear from you about anything, whether it's Christmas-related or something completely different. Uh, we go to the phones in the amp line. It's Mike in California. You're on with Ian and Nick. Hey, Mike. Hey, hey guys. I had a comment about intellectual property. Okay. Uh, Nick, you, I, be, I believe you said that you thought in, um, patents were necessary to... Actually, could you give your reasons that patents need to be around? I didn't necessarily say that patents per se were necessary. I just believe that people who create um, an original idea or a product that's original have a right to be paid for it in some respects. I don't think the monopoly system that we have with our patent system right now is ideal by any means. I I just believe that people do have a right to be paid for their ideas. That's a that's a good distinction that I should have made. That it doesn't have to be a patent, but some way of protecting the idea right. so that they get paid. But I'd like to suggest that that is that position is kind of presuming what all the individuals in the market want as reward. What what about people who would want to invent things for charity? Or mm-hmm. take this example. What if there's a drug that uh, the market is clamoring for? Or, or, you know, some dream drug that doesn't exist, and they say, we wish there was a drug that did this. And no one was brave enough to invent it because there was no protection. That means no one is providing the service. There is a huge market available. Eventually, someone is going to say, I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to invent this. They might, yes. It, will it get done as fast as if there's a way to make money in the process? I, I doubt it. Um, but you're right. I mean, if people want to invent things for charity, for instance, though, they could always waive their payments. I mean, they could always just put it out there and say they didn't want their fee. I mean, right now you have an option of whether you patent or not. I'm sure in another system you would have the option of, of claiming the idea or not. I would okay, guess. So I mean, I would guess that you could do that. So what would be the, the purpose of some kind of idea protection scheme if certain people could opt out? Well, the people who didn't want to opt out would be paid for their ideas. They'd be they'd be paid for their ideas by whom? Um, I mean, if, if I if I wanted to invent something and I said, you know, I do want this protection of some kind of patent like scheme, but right. Joe doesn't, be, you know, Joe over there doesn't believe in the system and wants to opt out. He's just going to take my idea and run with it. Well, right, I, I guess uh, under Nick's system, he'd go to jail or something. Well, he'd right? have to pay. He'd have to pay you a percentage for his idea. You know, a small 
like royalty fee or something so like no that. Out. Uh no. No, not not on the part of not on the part of there can be opting out out for the people who come up with the idea, but there's oh, like, not opting like, out like for if, the uh, if Jane invents drugs, she can say I don't care if Joe copies me, and so she wouldn't right require oh, okay. right. But Joe doesn't. I mean, then there's no system if Joe doesn't. You know, you right. if you're gonna have a system to protect intellectual property, it implies yeah. that other people are going to have to respect the idea. So who will decide if an idea has merit? That's, in your system. That's a very good question. I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I, I suppose you could... And why them? I don't know. I mean, you could, it could theoretically work in a free market. I haven't reasoned it out that much. Um, you could reform the government patent system. Probably wouldn't work much better. It is government. Might It might work somewhat better. Um, I, th- I think that in it the It could market- be any number of agencies. I don't know. I think that in the marketplace, certainly uh, inventors could could definitely find a way to profit from their ideas. Now it gets a little trickier once the you know a company. For instance, if you come up with something, Nick, and you you right. shop it around uh, to different companies, and you obviously have them sign a, a non-disclosure agreement or something like that, uh, then if they just, if they break that agreement, they violated a contract, and you can get certainly some restitution for mm-hmm. that. Uh, but you know if the if the company decides to buy the idea from you, then the inventor has made the money, should be a one-time payment, right. and and you right. know that's it. Right. Of course, then it's you know at that point, then it's up to the company to keep that idea under wraps as much as possible mm-hmm. before it hits to the marketplace. And then obviously once it hits the marketplace, it's subject to being reverse engineered, just like all products are subject today. You know, they get right. reverse engineered, yeah. modified slightly, and that's one of the reasons why we have AMD chips in our computers instead of just Intel chips, because I believe they reverse engineered Intel's chips and sort of uh, did a little modification and started their own company. So, Can I add something to that yeah. secrecy? Yeah. Um, there's, uh, there might be, no, there might be, there definitely is other ways to make profit than on just the idea. If you have a great idea and everyone copies it, you could still do it better, do it cheaper, do it faster, do it with more variety. You could innovate. You could have better service, better, better support. Right. There's tons of ways to actually make money in a free environment other than have to be protected from someone copying your idea. Yes, and then and then the pressure is always on. You know, you don't have this government window uh, that's you know where you can just sit back and do nothing for ten more years or however long your your patent is. So you're constantly having to work to improve as opposed to just coming up with an idea and cashing in. Right. Thanks for the time. Happy holidays, guys. Thank you. Happy holidays. Appreciate the call. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. All right. So uh, let's see here. Quick email. From Mark. He says, I recently started listening to your show by subscribing to the podcast and wonder if you can explain how apolitical activism would help change society. Apolitical meaning outside of the system, non-political activism, stuff that doesn't involve running for office and that sort of thing. From what I understand, by committing various acts like civil disobedience, this draws attention and helps bring about change in public opinion. This tactic was used successfully by the abolitionists, socialists, civil rights movement, uh, AIM, not sure what that means, and others. However, in the end, all these movements used this activism to propel themselves in politics or through the courts to bring about change. If the apoliticals are successful in an issue, say, ending jury duty, won't they have to join the political system to finalize that change? Or would the problem be somehow expected to fix itself, like Orthodox Marxism don't plan the revolution because it's inevitable? Um, I think that civil disobedience, the idea is to affect change in the political system. It's to get the powers that be to put enough, change public opinion enough, or at least oftentimes you're better off in civil disobedience having the public already generally on your side, but galvanizing it, bringing the issue to their attention, 
Many right. t- many times, if you try to do civil disobedience and the public is 90% of them are against what you're doing anyway, they believe it should be illegal, mm-hmm. you're not going to affect much change. But if you have some kind of a workable majority on your side and you just bring the issue to their attention and it, it brings to their awareness that things need to be changed, they put pressure on government generally. Right. I think that um, – I don't think that there's any one solution that's going to – solve the problems that we have with government today. I don't think that it's all going to be political activism. I don't think it's all going to be apolitical, but but I think he's basically got it. The idea is, and it's what you said, Nick, is to get people, draw people's attention to an issue. Whether that means that you're expecting political change to happen or not, like for instance, Lauren Canario here in New Hampshire um, stirred up a lot of controversy. She's one of the activists that moved here as part of the Free State Project, and she stirred up some controversy when she uh, refused – well, as she continues to refuse to drive uh, with – or she is, she is refusing to drive with a license. She, she had a license at one time in her life, and now she doesn't anymore, and she doesn't want to get another one. She doesn't uh, think that you should have to bow down to the system, uh, that you know we have a right to travel as long as you aren't putting other people in danger, that sort of thing. And she spent uh, several uh, – over 30 days in jail, in prison – as a, as a result of this, and uh, and a lot of people were very very upset. Uh, they you know they I would say it was that ninety percent situation mm-hmm. Nick, where ninety percent of the people they didn't understand they were anti Lauren uh, they they liked the idea of driver's licenses and in that particular case you can't say that she was doing that instance of apolitical civil disobedience in order to to affect political change more so than she was to just simply make a point about freedom in general. Right, and I don't think, I think she just feels she shouldn't have to do that, not that, in that particular case, I don't think she was really trying to make it a big issue. Well, I mean, maybe she was, I don't know, but she knew it was going to happen eventually. More on the way, 800-259-9231. You can take control even in these remaining moments. We'll talk more about apolitical action this is Free Talk Live. Talk Live is your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. Even in these remaining moments of the live Christmas Eve edition of the program, FYI, we will be live tomorrow. In fact, we'll be live all week long. Uh, our wonderful co-host coming in, sitting in for Mark all week as he is uh, down in Florida on a much-needed vacay. Uh, so join us for the live Christmas Day show. Tomorrow night, we're going to have Jim Babka on to start the show out, uh, get a downsized DC update before we see him again at the upcoming Liberty Forum. So just wanted to remind you, we're live all week long on your local radio station or online at freetalklive.com. And also, don't forget to head over to freetalklive.com and learn about the AMP program. If you like what we're doing on Free Talk Live and you want to help us get on more stations across the country, then you want to become a Free Talk Live amplifier. Plus, you get perks. You get access to the Amp Only Call-In Line, chat room, forum. Uh, and the real purpose, though, is to help us spread Free Talk Live and the message of liberty and freedom as far and as wide as possible. And we can do it for as little as 3 bucks a month. So head over to amp.freetalklive.com. That sure would be a nice little gift to Free Talk Live this holiday season. Uh, again, all the website features are for free. If you can't afford it, no big deal. Enjoy the website website for free on us, uh, but if you can, it helps us out a lot, amp.freetalklive.com. Just a few more thoughts on the world of activism, apolitical versus political, how the two can work together, which is the way I think it should be happening instead of uh, activists splintering off and, and only doing one thing, thing or the other. Uh, we had a question come in from Mark. Uh, he was asking about you know, generally what the purpose of apolitical activism is, and 
and generally, I think, Nick, you're right, that it, it is to bring attention to an issue that can be changed with the political system, like, you know, marijuana, for instance. Or uh, in the case of uh, up here in New Hampshire, there was a guy that did an illegal manicure at one time to bring attention to the absurd licensing laws that we have in the state. And it was somewhat effective in that, uh, you know, a law was passed to reduce the amount of time that it took to get a license not really a huge uh, didn't get change. rid of the license share, but yeah, it did, right. it did have some effect. I think that, but what we've seen though so far has been some very minor instances of civil disobedience. None of this has been on a mass scale. It's just been a you know lone guy over here doing something, mm-hmm. a lone female over somewhere else doing something else. I think it would be different if you actually had significant number of people, maybe a dozen or two dozen or 50 people get together and engage in a, a you know, again, maybe gambling, uh, playing card games out in front of the state house or something like it, that. It would, but again, you still need you still need the people to be generally either on your side or sympathetic to what you're trying to do. If they're already firmly opposed to you, you're not probably not going to change their mind through civil disobedience. That means you need to do more education wherever you are, so... Maybe true. And again, there are different aspects to all this. I think that we're going to see, if we're going to see more liberty in our lifetimes, it's going to be because of uh, people that are attacking the system in different ways. Some are going to go strike the root. Some are going to strike the branches. You know, some are going to uh, to to work the political system. Some are going to stay outside of the system and and do disobedience. And th- some of them aren't going to care how popular it is. They you know they believe that what they're doing is right. Uh, and right. I and I support them on that. I, I 100% well, support people <laughs> who don't want to you know who don't want to get a driver's license to drive around as long as they're driving safely. I think that's the only it, issue. It's there. not a matter of being popular. It's a matter of being effective. Are you are you producing the are you producing it for your society or are you causing a backlash against you? You're not just because you're doing it doesn't mean you're necessarily advancing the cause of liberty. That much is true. I mean, yeah. Sometimes you are, sometimes you aren't. You and, and, but but sometimes it's hard to you know calculate that. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you just go based on what the opinion editorials say, then you'll think everyone hates you. Right. But on the other hand, uh, you know, we don't really do polls, so we don't know exactly what the public thinks. And and obviously, uh, comments on a news article are are you know have a good chance of being biased in one direction or another as well. So it's really hard to get a I think a finger on the pulse of uh, the, the society in general as far as how they feel about those sorts of things, which is why I say, you know, if you truly believe in something, don't let, you know, don't let the, your belief, uh, don't let how you feel about what other people are going to think stop you from pursuing what you think oh, is the right path absolutely. of action. That's all. So, 1-800-259-9231. Um, but I think the other thing he asks here, Mark, in his email, he says that, he says, would the problem is somehow ex- be expected to fix itself? Like, if you do enough apolitical activism, will the system just change? I think there might be some people who believe that. I think there are, you know, a lot of people that there are some people that think that if enough people withdraw from the system, that all of a sudden it's going to crumble in upon itself. Oh, and, certainly, if you got seventy or eighty percent of the people to opt out, there wouldn't be much of a system left, and you'd probably be left alone. Well, when you say opt out. You mean like not pay taxes or anything like that, right? Just completely ignore the government, like a Russell Canning. Yeah. But I think it's highly unlikely that you're ever going to get a majority of people to just completely ignore the state. Well, I think that if as you could get... As long as the threat of arrest still exists. Right. I think if you... I don't think you need 70%. I think 5% would be a, a significant burden to the government as far as, you know, if you had 5% of the people in a given area that were completely ignoring the state's diktats and laws and stuff... They wouldn't be able to put you all in jail. I mean, that's a lot of people. It's a lot of uh, a lot of court cases, that sort of thing, and it would really, really bog down the system. And I think certainly make 
something happen. I don't know what it would be, but it would certainly make a change. And if, I mean, obviously, if you had 70%, then everything would crash. But I think some people think that if they just don't participate as far as voting and that sort of thing, that things will change, and that's not true. That's no, ridiculous. Yeah. Um, it, most Americans don't participate. Not participating in the poli- political process hasn't done anything. I mean, I think it's most Americans in a lot of places don't vote. Right. That hasn't made them more free. What we were, um, what one of the points is in this great book that I'm going to release here within the next few days online at freetalklive.com, and if you're on the updates list, you'll know first, uh, The Market for Liberty, their point is that they, uh, in the book, and it's the Tannehills that write it, so it's a couple, but their point is that they don't think that it can be done from inside the system necessarily by taking over politics and slowly cutting bureaucracy and that sort of thing. They also don't think that it's uh, necessarily going to be done by refusing to participate or anything like that. What their point is, is that what's really going to change, if we're going to, to change the way we interact with government or get rid of government entirely, the, the way to do it is to spread ideas. And, the, and that is to spread the idea of liberty and freedom and principle and understanding these concepts. And I think that's what Ron, the Ron Paul campaign is doing so brilliantly. I mean, obviously, we do it on Free Talk Live on a nightly basis. The more people that can hear the ideas of liberty, the more likely some of these changes are going to occur, whether it be you know people joining the apoliticals and doing civil disobedience or whether it be people getting involved in politics. We have to spread the idea first before anything else can happen. And that's why I support the Ron Paul campaign. Well, I think Ron Paul's campaign is great because it, it does two things. One, it educates people much better than most Libertarian Party candidates have been able to do in running for president. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also does have a real political impact. To, uh, who knows how lasting it will be, you know, how much they'll pay attention. But it does send a message to the GOP if they see Ron Paul placing, we don't know where he's going to place. If he places third and second, maybe even wins a state or two, that's going to send a strong message to the GOP. You might yeah. actually see some positions start to change for some people. I mean, they, p- politicians know how to read the wind. They like power, but they know when they have to, when it's popular to back off it, they'll do right. that. Well, of course, I'll be cynical about that because you know it's one thing for a politician to change his position, whereas if they don't have any track record to prove that they're serious, that's right. a whole other thing. Right, but. You know, so we'll we'll see how that half of it goes. Right, but the point being, you have to get the ideas out before any of this other stuff can happen. And so that's what we really need to focus on, and that's why the Ron Paul campaign should be worth your time if you're somebody that's outside the system, because he is spreading those ideas. That's why utilizing the, uh, the, the system of politics to get attention for ideas is important, because if you ignore these different venues, then you're not being as effective as you could, and there's nothing unprincipled about running a candidate in a race just to spread the ideas of liberty, I don't think. Let's go to the phones. Anthony in Florida, in Miami, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. How's it going, guys? Hey, good. What's on your mind tonight? Well, I finally got my uh, baby brother to register as a Republican for the Florida primaries. Okay. Um, it took an arm and a leg, and uh, basically I told him as a birthday gift to do it, and it took him a week after that to finally sign and register and everything, and I put the uh, thing in there in the uh, in the mailbox. So we've got now at least, I know of at least four votes in my family that are going to Ron Paul. Wow. Excellent. And and just in time, too, because I think that you have to be 30 days out in Florida from the yeah. election. So I think you only had a few days left there. So good job. The, the info on the Ron Paul website is wrong. It's a day. It, it's uh, 30 days before the election. So mm. I've got two other people that are that I'm trying to that I've got a few days to get. You know, they're on the verge, mm-hmm. you know, and these are people that have never voted. Wow. So it's like I've already got three people that have never voted. So, you know, it's sort of that whole thing. Why are the, why isn't his support showing up on the polls? 
Well, you know what I'm saying? It's the easy. I mean, that's an easy answer. They're only polling people who voted in 2006 or 2004 as Republicans. Exactly. So only it's, if you're a likely Republican voter will you be polled in these uh, these phone calls. Now it's 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 funny because I mean I'm walking I drive around Miami and then I'm part of the meetup group down here. I don't mm-hmm. get a chance to do all the. Uh, the sign waving because I work mainly when everybody else is off of work. You got about twenty five seconds, Anthony. And um, all I see are Ron Paul signs. I've seen a, really? like maybe three uh, Mitt signs and Rudy signs. And huh. uh, I was on a on my way to a birthday party the other day, and it was like I'm driving up the ninety five. Like Sunday morning with the windows rolled down on a nice 80 degree day, and I had one guy could yell at me from the side, Ron Paul, I'm voting for Ron Paul. <laughs> that's know? so and great. Like, people are getting excited, and that's what we need people to be excited about liberty again. Anthony, thanks for the call. We'll see you tomorrow night for the live Christmas Day edition of Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 